on another episode of Soothing Semantics. I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, leave your comments, and here we go. Today we have a man from the sea, from, from across the ocean, my guy, Lior Ophir, who was in Shayetet Shloshesre, Shayetet 13, which is uh, the equivalent of the Navy SEALs. So we, we like to coin it as the Israeli Navy SEALs. Correct. Okay, quite a big deal. Uh, really an honor to have you sitting in my apartment because uh, as, as Israeli soldiers who are not in such a unit, you know, this is arguably part of the top three in the entire Israeli military. You have Sayyid Matkal. Uh, what would you equate? Shaldag, would you think is up there? Or no? Yeah, I think you're right. Shaldag... Sayyid Matkal and Shayetet. Yeah. And, and I mean, for, for guys that were in a unit like mine, I mean, it was, you know, Kfir is nice. We had our experiences. But there are just different cali- calibers in the Israeli military. And uh, it is, it's quite a big deal. I know, I know Leo is a, a humble man. And, you know, he, he's very pleasant to speak with. But uh, it's no joke, guys. I mean, it's, uh, we're about to dive into one of the most incredible military units in the world. So enjoy, guys. Uh, yeah. If you have any questions, well, you're going to have to kind of ask him afterwards. But uh, <laughs> here we are. So thank you. Thank you. Toda Shabbat. Thank course, you for coming. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I, will, I will stay humble and I will say every soldier has his, uh, has his important role in, in protecting uh, Israel or every, you know, in the U.S. I train a lot with the, with the U.S. Navy SEALs in Israel here. Um, yeah, it's... It, considered to be a special unit for you know for the obvious reasons which we'll talk about you know the training and all all the other things but i really don't see myself as um, as special in terms of you know my contribution to to defending israel basically i i think at the end of the day when there is a very small percentage of human beings that can put themselves through that sort of training and make it through because how many how many soldiers actually go through the training Forget about not making it past the training, but actually try out. So I think um, the main, you know, after a lot of, you know, uh, s- small trials and tests, tests, sorry, for, you know, from physical ability to your mental health, to your intelligent level and so forth, you're starting the final week, the trials, about um, every year, about 1,200 and I think uh, 50 are passing this, this one week of, uh, of hell that, that considered right. to be, uh, and, and starting the course itself, uh, which essentially, after two years of training, only 15, approximately uh, 15 um, from these 50, f- finishing the course and become like Shayetet uh, warriors, mm. so to speak. And what's, what's the training like? So give us kind of a rundown. Well, say you are looking to go to Shayetet, right? You're 18 years old. How does the process start? Where do you, where do you first begin? So for me, it's, uh, it's a little bit, I will say, probably a little bit unusual process that I went through. I mean, By the way, before I go anywhere, Eyal Malamed, thank you so much for making this happen. Right. Yeah, I, may, very, I have very, to make sure to shout him out. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Guys, uh, for whoever doesn't know, Ayala is, is also a realtor as well. I know I'm a realtor, but 
I uh, just want to personally thank you for making this happen because I, I thought about this. <laughs> I had a guy, a buddy of mine from Duv Devan about two weeks ago. So I wanted to have people from different Sayerot, you know, different special forces units. And Eyal just, Eyal said, oh, I know a guy. <laughs> so thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Yeah. So I went to the regular um, process, but um, it wasn't my dream. Like, I, I remember, you know, it's Avri Sean, which is like the first time that basically the IDF calls every teenagers in, teenager in Israel that is, you know, past the 16 years old. Um, they, they call me for the first time, you know, you're doing those, um, I forgot how the, those, uh, those exam called, but uh, basically. I don't remember either. Right, just, just on a keyboard and they check in kind of like your common sense and to make sure that you, the way you see the world is, is like you intelligent enough to solve basic problems. Easiest to test. Yeah, just like simple. The, the, the re I think the goal is just to make sure that you are kind of like on the spectrum pretty much <laughs> not right? completely yeah yeah right and then in the end of the day you have um you have an interview with someone that basically asks you okay what do you want to do what is your vision you know uh, more about your personal story and everything mm -hmm. and um i remember this girl she interviewed me and she told me okay listen yeah you did well in the day like what do you want to do in, in in your service and i'm like i don't know what is the toughest thing you have and she's like, she's laughing, like, Haha, no, I'm serious. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. What is the toughest thing? Like, what is considered to be like the, you know, the elite unit? So I didn't know a, a lot, you know, just from like names, but like nothing. I never try to study what's, you know, what considered to be. I was just very innocent at this point. Your this parents point. didn't, didn't, did either of your parents, your dad go to any kind of unit? No. Uh, my uh, older brother went to Hovlim. Okay. So I had kind of like attachment to the Navy, which is, is very different in Israel than, than in the US because the Navy is not like the, the army. In, in, but there, like Chelayam, which is the Navy, is like, like in the part of the military. Like you don't mm -hmm. see it as like a different branch like here. So she told me, you know, like I told her, okay, seriously, like what is considered to be like the toughest and like the most prestigious one? She's like, Shayetet. So I like, okay, I want to Shayetet. So she thought it was Shayetet. She didn't say Matal yeah. or something. Yeah, she told me Shayetet, okay. uh, which we can talk about the difference between Shayetet and the others. But obviously, as I said, every unit is, I think, very important in general and special in its own way. Um, and she's like, she's laughing again and she's okay. Like, and if not Shayetet, and I'm like, that's it. It's, I decided. It's, it's been decided already. Like, so you decided like in that one minute yeah, conversation, yes, that's where you're going. That's done. Were you yeah. like that when you were younger? You were very quick to make decisions? You know what? It's a, it's a great question. Um, I think um, I allow my instinct to lead a lot of my, um, used to, a lot of my decision. Still, I give a lot of weight to my gut feeling. But now I do like the process, like I try to really see what's gonna get me to where I wanna be in like five, 10 years from today. So, and then I, I decide. But even now when I have a big decision to take, I always go to sleep 
before I take the decision one way or another mm-hmm. and then say, okay, now I feel committed and I feel like that's the right thing for me. But back then, you know, I was just a teenager. I was um, arrogant in a way, you know, like I said, okay, what is the toughest thing? Like who thinks like that? Like nobody, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I went for it. And then, so I did the, so she basically gave me um, an invitation for Yom Sayarot, which is like this one day that every teenagers that want to go to one of the special units, which is basically everybody start there and then they kind of like filter to, to other places. It's one day they just like physical. There is no uh, social, no nothing. It's just like you against everybody in terms of physical. And I remember I almost passed like a few times during, during the Yom Sayarot, which, during this day, I just gave my literally every bit of every ounce of my my like everything like i could i was almost dying like during during this so this day what were some of the things that they made you do uh carry like a bag of sand and circle like a huge you know area of cons and all the group so they they have like uh, i think thousands of thousands of kids in, the, in this day that they separate them to a dozen of of groups and then every group they pick like the best five pretty much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so you can be in a group that is like mediocre or you can be the group that are like the best you don't know but they they see how you handle um the challenge the physical challenges they they throw at you and uh and i did this day i um i was i will say pretty confident even before they gave us the results which is at the same day, like you're just waiting in the same area, everybody under the same big tent, and then um, then they kind of like announce who passed, who didn't, and which unit you passed. I'm not sure exactly how this process used to work. Now I'm a little bit more familiar because my reserve, which we'll talk after, but um, but back then you had like three choices, Shaldag, Shayetet, and Matkal. And if you were like in the top, 10% basically out of everybody they went with your decision unless in every group every like uh, 20 students group you had three instructors one from Shaldag one from Shayetet and one from Malkar mm-hmm. and if you choose Shayetet which is the Navy SEALs and the guy from the Navy SEALs gives thumbs up then you go there mm-hmm. but if you're not in the 10% they, they kind of like sporadically just give whatever they want or whatever they decide or just don't pick you at all so i was pretty good i was like the best or i will say among the, the best two or three in, in this group so how I many knew. how many people were in the group in the group we started around like um 25 to 30 we finished the day uh between 15 to 20 it's it's easier to finish the day because you can be kind of like okay he tells you you know go around so you're just running in your own pace so it's it's hard not to finish the day okay it's still like you still need to have like a level physical level ability levels to like to pass the day but it's not like everybody can basically pass the question is how you pass Mm -hmm. you're getting c or a you know and the a is like you know tough like that was that was very tough day so I, I was among like the best two or three. So I, my decision and the guy from the shed that gave the thumbs up. So I, st- I went from there to the one week trials. But here's the thing. Didn't, didn't you need to practice for this before you even started? Before you got to this at all, 
were you training for it? Or? I was always, um, I won't say very athletic, but it's a little bit story with from my childhood, I will say, which I don't mind to go through this quickly, but basically I lost my dad when I was eight years old. My dad always said, you're not gonna do, you're not gonna play soccer, you're not gonna play like sports, you, you're just gonna be a doctor, basically. That was his dream. So every day, like I couldn't go play with my kids as like six, seven years mm -hmm. old kid. <clears throat> I had to study at home. After he passed, I think my escape was to go to sports. So fast forward. So he made you study like medical things when you were a kid? I studied a lot of crazy things like on atom bombs and stuff like that when I was a kid. I did not like it. To be honest, um, I don't like the the traditional um, educational educational system. I think it's just inefficient in, mm -hmm. in many ways. By the ways. way, you can curse on this if you want to. Oh no, if fine. Helps, but, but, I'm, but I'm just saying, it's, yeah. I think it's like in many ways even foolish. It doesn't, especially okay. today. I'm, I'm googling everything I want, and I don't need the teacher. Like, <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's so, so true. stupid. Um, sure. But um, but in general, I I was uh, my escape was uh, after this personal strategy that I have uh, was to go to sports so I was always in very good I would say shape and I loved I love sport until mm -hmm. today like today I went twice to the gym already by you know by the time we have this interview <laughs> we'll tell you about after but you go to the gym uh, twice every day usually I used to go um, once or twice a day or I would say around 10 to 15 sessions a week um but now now with work and everything and kids my thing is like four times a week like i have mm. to do this four times which is like normal i will mm. say in a way but when i go to the gym is like i go like i'm gonna smash it like wow. uh, i'm putting everything you know what kind of gym are we talking about we're talking about so now now i'm doing martial arts mm -hmm. uh mainly brazilian jiu-jitsu oh yeah i uh, forgot to mention you're a black belt right black belt and a world champion brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah so amazing. so yeah i mean uh, now i train ma mainly brazilian jiu-jitsu once a week i do like cross training mainly gym just like go lift a little bit and something you know not, not nothing crazy just to keep you know get something else um in my in my routine pretty much um but any case go back to our story after this day that i passed i went to the trials which is one week trials that there they test everything they can they test uh, you know how much grit you have your social skills how good swimmer you are um physical ability you have to mental ability sorry do you have to already be a great swimmer when you get into it that's a great question i literally had people that started the course with me meaning they passed all the trials when they didn't know how to swim like they knew like basic like I, I think you call it like a dog swim like pretty much only Oops. like only how to keep your heads above the water pretty much way so they went from not being a good swimmer to being an amazing swimmer in fact the one that i refer to he didn't finish the course but not because the water because of different reason um not because he didn't know how to swim uh should i say and um but yeah you not become and like an, like a swimmer in terms of like an Israeli or uh, world champion or like even like national level right. you don't right. but you, but you are getting again like you swim almost every day so like you become very good swimmer right. but like not elite like right. it, I'm I'm one of not the best swimmers in my team I can say 
I had like amazing ones. I had like guys that were in like international level, which wow. like I will never be good as them, even if I will train for the rest of life and they will do nothing. Just they're, they're natural. Right. They're just, they're talented. Yeah. yeah, they're just talented. So, um, but yeah, it's not, um, it's, it's funny. It's not like how fast you swim or how fast you run. It's about if you every time give you 100%, mm -hmm. if you get a little bit better, you know, continuous improvement, like you just keep, you know, you can run. So the thing is, so now in my reserve, now I'm inactive because I live here in the US, but while I was living in Israel and after my military service in my reserve, I was one of the guys that filtering or picking the best guys or the guys we thought are good fit for our unit in, in those trials. And it's not, we don't pick like only the best ones. We pick the ones that we feel that have the capabilities to persevere and to overcome all the challenges we're gonna, we're gonna throw at them. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's important because even if you're not the best swimmer or the best runner or the best physical person, if you're gonna put everything on the line every single day and you're not gonna break, you're gonna make it happen. That's that's um, and that's require a lot of discipline, which is obviously you know an issue for itself. Um, discipline is everybody. You know, I see a lot of um, like leadership and like business um, amazing from TED talks to like different podcasts and different influential people and public speakers talking about discipline. It's so easy to say, yeah, you need to be disciplined. Yeah, tell me how many people you know that are really disciplined. Yeah, this very is few. and. So what I did when I was um, back to this, this, this thing, and I think that really helped me to finish the course, which is what makes me special in my way, is I remember when I started this week of like the final trial, which is like the most important one in anyone's and considered to be the toughest week maybe in the world in terms of trials, um, especially in Israel at least, is I saw, you know, I'm not a big guy, I'm 150, I'm not too tall, I'm just like a regular human being. It's very funny though, because I suppose a lot of guys that are in, in Israeli special forces units aren't necessarily huge guys. Correct, correct. But that's also a, a benefit. You're more nimble, you're more agile, you know what I mean? Correct. And, uh, and I think I was, um, you know, it's in Atlit, which is next to Haifa, and it's, it's in the Shayatid base, mm -hmm. so... What's the Shayatid base like? Is it a nice base? I feel like you guys... It's, it's the nicest coast in the world. So take like the nicest uh, isolated Thailand beach that you have in your mind. That's pretty much it. Nobody gets there. And only, only the Shayatid soldiers, which we have... We are being educated and we are appreciating like the fact that this beach is just untouched almost. So it's like gorgeous. Like it's there is second to none. Like literally, this is amazing. Um... So I remember myself there <coughs> in under like a huge, huge, huge tent, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, with all the other guys. Most of them are much more looks, you know, seems to be stronger than me, more physical than me. And I'm like, man, I have to find an excuse to like, to, tell, to come, come up with, with excuse when I fail to my family or my friends, like why I didn't do it. So I will say, maybe I will tell them I had like diarrhea or maybe I had like, you know, I sprained my ankle or something like that. And then I'm like, that was when it came to me. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop for one second. Like you don't really know these people. 
people before you finish this this these trials you know this week people with you now you see everybody sit here and you have like 500 people around you some of them will finish it and in the future many people will finish it do you really want to finish it or not and this is where i managed to have discipline when i want to because <coughs> it's important because you can only be disciplined when you want to you can be disciplined when you don't when you choose not to right so what so, does the discipline mean to you that's also a deeper question just so, to look. right so discipline mean for me is to take a decision and to go with it like all in like all in like no go back um it's kind of like you have to be really 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 committed you have to see the vision before and i and i always tell to myself and especially today take your time before you make this decision because once you are you have to be committed what it ta- what happens when you do when you take this approach you don't take foolish mistakes because you understand uh, what you have on stake mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so so now you have to be very you know mindful and thoughtful about what you're going to agree with yourself so i'm going to make a deal with myself like like a lease like now you you have to pay 12 months either you want it or you don't mm-hmm. you, you right mm-hmm. um unless you're going to face whatever like this you know the circumstances that gonna you know uh gonna happen from from not doing it but that was that was my thing so i decided at this point told myself no matter what happened i go for it like all in it's done like mm-hmm. like with the, the conversation i had with this with this girl for like one minute that i told her what is the most right. difficult thing yeah done that's the decision was made now i just need to execute pretty much so i think the biggest challenge of people when they do that i call the excuses mechanism during the course of whatever process you're trying to go through you'll find so many reasons why not so many reasons something happened with my family i don't feel well it's not for me i it's not what i thought it is it will be but that's the thing that's why take your time take a breather before you make the decision mm-hmm. and think is it something i really wanted or not if it's not don't waste your time don't pretend don't don't do one day and then go to your friends and say no oh, i hurt my knee after i fell from whatever no why just go watch the watch the beach for 10 minutes during you know when i talk about this moment when i took this decision mm-hmm. and then just go back home why you need to you know go on the on the go to the beach now and run and sweat and schnitzels on the beach you know <laughs> why like just if you don't want to really want it yeah. then done if you do want it you have to understand that you'll find so many excuses along the way but none of them will be really important now sometimes during the process you kind of understand that maybe it's not what you expected so now next time first of all you have to be much more thoughtful of, about decisions you make that's one thing the second thing is what i came came up with my formula i said let's finish it after i finish all the process then let's go back in time mm-hmm. and see if what i thought during the process was right or wrong and maybe next time in the beginning of the process i shouldn't decide though, to take those um do these deals with myself you know take those responsibility on myself um but once once i decide and this is discipline for me discipline is to be fully committed with the decisions you think that they are of are in the course of a time will be the right for you basically 
which is not an easy because you have to see the vision, you have to be thoughtful about the process you're going to go through. Um, but this is where most of the people fail. I think a lot of people don't, they don't trust themselves. They don't trust themselves that they're able to get to the finish line. And they don't also, tr- they, they maybe don't have a plan for what the finish line looks like. Um, and they also doubt that they can, that it'll, it's a, it's a, an opportunity or an option. So I don't know. I mean, I use my podcast as, a, as an example all the time. It's not a huge podcast, but I know, I see the vision. I know that if I can stay consistent and disciplined for long enough, even when maybe I'm not to, I was really excited to talk to you, but I wasn't in the mood to do it now because I, I uh, went to, you know, Chag um, Suda like last night. I went to a dinner last night, holiday dinner, okay? And I drank a nice amount. I got pretty drunk. Hmm. And I don't drink that much. So when I do drink, like, it just kills me. Hmm. So this whole day, I was just really tired, you know? But uh, at the end of the day, I want to have this conversation. I want to get this done. And I don't want there to be a chance. I also, you took your time to come and sit with me. I'm not going to cancel on you because I'm tired, you know? Right. And now I'm here. Now I'm great. Like, I'm listening to you. I'm enjoying I'm loving where this is going because... Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's part of it. There's people that be like, you know what? I'm tired. Let me reschedule. It's like, oh, hold on. He took his time out of his day. It's holiday. Whatever he's doing, he has other things to do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cancel. There wasn't even a thought. It wasn't even a thought in my mind. I have. I have something for you. I, yeah. I like what you what you're saying. And this is one something that my captain said. Look, I have goosebumps. I will never forget this th- uh-huh, this uh-huh. sentence that he said. And it's kind of like a rule of thumb for me now. He said, if you can do something today or do something tomorrow, do it today so tomorrow you can do something else. Oh, yeah, this is so fundamentally right. And this is where almost 100% of the people will always, in some point of their day, will fail with those small things. And I never go to sleep until what I decided that I can, that I can do today I will do it today, so tomorrow I will be able to do something else. This is when you become much, much more proactive. Hundred percent, right? 100%. This is this is so simple, but but like even I will give you an example. Before I go to work every day, the night before, I put already in my closet what I'm gonna wear. Yeah, it's such a good idea. I, I I've done that many times. I don't. I'm not consistent with that, but I'm I'm overall pretty consistent person. I can say it's it's um. It's related in a way to if you know the story of uh, this. Uh, By the way, don't lose your thought, Leora, because okay. we were going into the. No, we keep talking okay. about it, but we 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 went off a little bit. We were, you were talking about the five hundred uh, people in the room, right. or the five hundred people, and you were you weren't as like big as they were. Right. Or whatever. But yeah, go go back. So just just back to your mem- make your bed in mm-hmm. a way. You just do one like there is a, like you know it's a small task, but you're gonna do it because you can do it, mm-hmm. and just finish it and move on. So the same thing here. Uh, to the 500, so I just basically decided that, that I won it. That's w- that was kind of like my, I said, okay, I go for it. No excuses. And I made, I made myself, you know, I shake my own hand and mm-hmm. I made this deal with myself. And I can tell you that almost every time when I got to the bro- breaking point, which you get like, almost like on an hourly basis, their goal is to break you, to mm-hmm. see, you know, really who can make it. Every time I got to this point, I said, Leo, you close the deal. You can go back. And it it's like time, like on an hourly basis, and I'm talking about a week long. 
And um, that really helped me because I said, you have to respect your own word. You give yourself like a word, it's done. Come on. Like stop be stop being like, you know, stop being this soft guy. Like you have to like everybody do it we here with you. People will do it in the end of this week. Why it couldn't be you? Mm. So I told myself, you know, I went back to I said what excuse I can find? Maybe I sprained my ankle. Maybe I hurt my knee. Maybe my back hurts. To to a point like a mindset of even if you chop all my limbs off, I will still finish this week, which is like crazy, right? But it's like it's so true. Like it's so nothing. Basically, there is no power in this world that could stop me from finishing this week. But in a good in like in the in the best way I could, I potentially could, uh, which. I can tell you that reflecting back a little bit, and I'm, and I'm not talking about today, like even a week after, you know, as, as a 17 years old teenager, I said, man, it wasn't that bad as people like said. And I tried to think about all the exercises and all the tests that they gave us. That was very intensive. But the fact is that I didn't look for, I didn't see that as uh, what I'm going through. I saw it as an opportunity to demonstrate my ability better than others. Mm -hmm. So I knew the tougher it becomes, the more chances for me is to showcase that I'm like, I'm the right guy. So I knew if it's tough for me, it's tough for them. But I knew that here, because I decided I have just a little bit better chance because they were very strong, but we all got to the breaking point. Mm -hmm. And now the question is, how are you going to handle it? Are you going to be this guy that's finding the excuses and start to limp even if nothing happens? Or are you going to give me more? Yeah. Give me more. You know, throw at me whatever you have, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, so again, I think it wasn't that bad um, as, as it was. But it, it wasn't because mentally I was like so ready. Just, it just made my life easier. It's, it's funny that I'm saying it, but it was. That's what it is. It's all mental. You see that in, in the unit I was in. You see some of these bigger guys, and they can't make it through. I remember this guy was crying through the training. And then you have other guys who are small, little, skinny guys, and they're carrying everything. And it's just all in your head. It right. really is. Um, what was the hardest part of that week? You're talking about this week specifically. What, or what were some of the hardest parts? Okay. Of so after this week, basically, if you pass, you're starting the, the training as a soldier when you get to 18 years old and this is two years course now it's funny because the easiest week you have in the training that's these two years of training is far tougher than this one week it's all about perspective that's funny <laughs> but i'm telling you every single week was like above and behind anything you can even imagine or compare to this one week for the, no. for those two years, you were you were doing it every single week, pretty much. You had training every week for two years. So yeah, so these two weeks are every single week is like you have like a different theme, like a different thing. Um, basically, the first four are the, just the Ronut, just mm -hmm. the boot camp with like with Nachal, which is like regular boot camp that every soldier is going through in his military service. Mm -hmm. If you are like a combat soldier, right? And then you go to the bootcamp of the unit, which is there. Basically, 80% that 80% of the people that quit 
out of these 50. Remember, we have the 50 that's starting the course and 15, one five that's finishing the course. So 80% of the 50 are basically quitting during this bootcamp off the unit, which is wow. also four months or three so months. So where do they usually go? They go to other, other Sayarot usually? Yeah, they go to other Sayarot. Where do you think they usually go? Mr. Avib, Duvdevan, you know, like other great units, like right. really great units, right. because again, you were already among the like the what the two percent or one percent, right. right? So obviously, you know, they they they've been they overcome many things. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of things, you know, that different in the Shayatet. So so go back to your question: What was the toughest thing? So I won't say what was the toughest thing in the week. I will say what was the toughest thing in the course, which is two years of this one week, right? Uh, so I have better perspective and obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's bigger, it's, it's, it's more time for you to reflect and to start to go back and understand what's going on and go through all the crazy stuff that's running in your head and in your body. People will get, will be shocked pretty much from what I'm going to say, but it wasn't the march, it wasn't like the long swimming or the the hours of diving and all those hell that they trying to take you um, take you through the course. The toughest thing is every single morning, no matter what, summer, winter, you tired, you slept three hours, you slept one hour, you slept six hours on Saturday, on Sunday, on middle of the week, whatever it is, you have to wake up. When they tell you, you don't know, normally you don't even have watch mm -hmm. with you until like very late in the course. but. You have three minutes to put the speed on, run around, let's say, um, 200 meters, which is like a thousand feet or so, not too much. That's not the distance, it's not the issue. Mm -hmm. But you have to run barefoot on like um, asphalt-ish. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And uh, and you have to, and you go to a swim, uh, have all the team together. And then once you finish the swim, you're waiting in like, um, in like a formation, like, three you know like shlishiot uh, we say in Hebrew I, I don't know you uh, just groups of three yeah how would you say I don't know how to, I yeah know groups you, of I three exactly of everybody next to each other pretty much right, right? like mm -hmm. a normal like formation of soldiers that's standing right it's just like one two three one two three like I guess that, that would be the best way to do it right okay. and then you need to um, uh, you need to dry yourself with the natural resources we have which is basically wind now in the winter if I will tell you, just go with Speedo, barefoot, just outside to take your dog out, you will shoot somebody in the head. So imagine that this is after a swim, after you didn't sleep at night, every single day, that's the thing, every single day. This is what breaks you. So basically people are quitting in this 80% that I told you out of this 50, in these four months, and they literally, we, they, wake, they, wake us up, they wake us in the morning, say three minutes, see you there, and then like, no, I'm not going there. I remember this vividly. That was like the number one reason why people quit during the course. You can't, and one time it's easy. I'm telling you, one time it's easy. I mean, easy if you prepare yourself and you're saying, ah, I will prove everybody I got this. What kind of swimming are we doing though? Like tying, tying your hands and legs, that no, kind no, of No, no, just a normal swimming in the, in the ocean. Swim in the uh, ocean. Yeah, like, um, again, like a thousand feet or something. Really not that bad. Like really, it's nothing. It's like again, if you take an Olympic swimming pool, 
probably like four times back and forth or six times back and forth. Not, nothing. Every person like okay. can do that. So you got to go a thousand feet my, into the my water. My grandmother can do that. <laughs> like in the swimming. Literally, it's kind of like a competition, but it's not really a competition. Just do it as fast as you can. Okay. You get you get to the to the you know be the the last person. Then right. hey, why did you you know like next time try to improve yourself? So it puts on yourself pressure. You do swim fast, but it's not a it's not a contest. You just have to do it. You just have to do it. That's right. simple as that. That's the point. Like this is how we open the day. Guys, we, we, you know, like you say, Shmaisel. That was every day. That's that's how you do every single day. You had to do Every single day. Seven days a week, every day. Yes. Wow. And that's what breaks people more than anything. This has come to the discipline. You find so many excuses and you say, what? This is so stupid. This is. And if I will tell every person that listened to us now, I will tell them one day, go to the beach, swim for 200 meters, which is like a thousand feet or right, roughly. Come back. We say, man. It's like the easiest thing. Like why people quitting from that? Oh yeah, it's the easiest thing. Do it also in the winter. Do it also in the summer, and do it every single day. And you wake up not so. So people looking for man. I, I had the march or 40, 40, 40, which maybe you heard or forty centimeters of water for forty kilometers with forty pounds or forty kilos on your um, on your back. Yeah, it's very very tough. Your your skin on your your feet becomes like mushy and like wounds and then like mm-hmm. rips off yeah yeah it's the crazy but that's not the toughest thing this is kind of like this is one of the things that you prepare yourself say oh this is like i will do that and done it's like one time and it's done zbang right it's easy zbangs in life mm-hmm. but when you have to do it every single time like you mentioned in the podcast no matter what it's it's rosh hashanah today listen i have two kids at home i have i have work i have a lot of responsibility which we talk about it i'm sure you have to you have clients, but you decide that you do that. That's what makes, that's what I think makes discipline so important and what makes successful people be successful because they see this vision. They say, no matter what happens, like I decided, you know, we, we talked together. It took me time to respond to you because I was busy. But once I told you the okay, that was no going back. This, this is, this is final, you know? You really don't meet a lot of people with these qualities. It's it's and it's something that I've had to learn and develop. Meeting people like you just strengthens that confidence in me, in me. You know, just understanding how important it is. It's crazy how rare it is. So many people, right. most people, even people I, I'm friends with, they you know, and and this is something I try to influence them with is the discipline. You know, just forgoing, pushing away the temporary things. So you can have the better things later is what discipline is all about, and and I'm not perfect with it. You know, I, you know, I'll I'll drink here and there. I don't go out much, but really just work all the time, honestly. But even last night, I could have said I'm not having a drink or I'm not drinking anything ever again. I'm not really interested in doing that right. because I'm not an alcoholic. I never have been. Right. So I don't have this need to constantly drink. The only thing I have an addiction with is is nicotine. I don't smoke cigarettes, but I smoke the vape. Yep. And that's a discipline thing, you know? So that's something, if I need, want to quit it, I need to quit it. So so I, I want to I tell, especially the audience and, and everybody that listen to us, I think if I mention, everybody talk about discipline. It's so easy to say, yeah, discipline, yeah, yeah. discipline, discipline. It's important more than motivation. Everybody understand it. But again, discipline, it's so hard, right? It's so hard to understand it. So I have um, a small exercise that everybody can practice 
and they can build their their disciplined level within themselves like significantly but i'm talking about like a different human being okay very easy and because i try to think what helped me to kind of like build this discipline because i'm probably one of the most disciplined person you will ever meet mm-hmm. i i take a lot of pride of that it's not easy though right but the best way to build discipline is pick one thing a day only one thing a day that will be considerably for you easy to do that will be better than everybody else in your close circle so i'll give you an example let's say all your friends are waking up or your early the earliest they waking up is 7:50 wake up at 7:45 you know at this day you are second to none in your close circle already you are the best because you decided this is how you're going to test yourself you're already mm-hmm, the best mm-hmm. It can be in your workspace with your colleagues. Send in the end of the day at 11.59 an email because you know nobody's going to send later than you or 1 a.m., whatever you want, an email to someone else. Already what, it, what happens when you do so, you know that when you decide, you can be the best at, from everybody you know, basically. Then you start to push automatically, like with your natural reaction, your, like, your reflex is it's so easy. And I'm already like the best. Let's do it more. So now it's addictive. Exactly. Because everybody said, "I'm afraid to fail." I think it's, it's not right to define it like that. I think most of the people really love to win, but not everybody like to put the effort to win. So it's just easier not to win than kind of like than to fail even, right? So the point is. Basically, once you start to do it with your close circle, so let's say I'm asking all your friends where you wake up in the morning. I know like the earliest they do is 6.30. Okay, mm-hmm. I just need to wake up at 6 one day, every single day or whatever, right? Then I'm starting to ask all the people I know. I started to hear about successful people from Ray Dalio to whatever you have in mind. Tony Robbins, when are you waking up in the morning? Oh, you waking up at 5.30? Okay, now wake up at 5.20. What happens now? You are, you are the best in the world already in something, like so easy. Mm-hmm. And this is something you picked for yourself and you don't have to be committed every day to do that. You can every day choose something else. You can choose one week I'm not drinking beer. All mm-hmm. my friends are drinking one, one beer a day. One, one week I'm not drinking beer. Boom, I'm second to none this week, this whole week. I'm sending email the latest out of everybody. Boom, I'm second to none in my workspace already. It's so easy, so micro wins, micro wins that this is how you build your discipline. Because you know, it's so, so easy to say discipline, but then it's hard to follow that. You know what's so funny? I am 100% on board with you, and I will absolutely implement that. But that's because I already, even though I'm, I'm 28, you know, and I'm not the most disciplined person in the world, but I can say I'm more disciplined than most people I know, is once you start to realize what discipline gives you, it's so addictive. Right. Especially once you see results from it, because the the hard work that you put in that sucked while you were doing it but you see it gets you the results that you want you need to get more and more and more right and then when you build it to a level where it's way past your friends and people you know meaning this podcast is another example or my real estate business where people that start at the same time as me are making you know x amount of money closing x amount of deals maybe they're making you know 150 a year closing uh, 15 deals, 20 deals, and I closed 70 deals, and I made you know right. 700,000, 
and the podcast has 100,000 subscribers and 200 episodes and everyone, I have another guy I know that does a podcast that has 200 subscribers and blah, blah, blah. So in, to, in, a, in a sense, it is, it's competition and I think that's healthy. Right. But it's just so many people. It's competition with yourself even. Right, 100%. And I love it. I see such a beauty in it. But there's so many people that just, they want what discipline gives you, but they're not willing to put, to, to fucking put themselves through the pain. Listen, I understand it. It's hard. Yeah. So this is why you need to start with small, small, small. This is so easy. Like I just need to wake up earlier than my wife and my family members. This is so easy. Most of them wake up, the average person wake up. When do you wake up usually? I'm, uh, you know, you people don't, ask you me. Don't sleep. You don't sleep. Yes, exactly. People ask me, are you a morning guy or a late, late yeah. night guy? And I'm like, I'm just not sleeping, honestly, like four or five hours a day. But it's not, it's not healthy. So I'm trying everything I can to push it. Um, I understand this is not healthy. But basically, I will say ideally, like a normal day, even if I wake up and I'm trying to, you know, force myself to go back to sleep, 11 to six somewhere you know maybe an hour later maybe an hour earlier uh but this is what i'm trying to do these seven hours which never happens really seven but i'm trying to give my body like this time i think seven it's i used to be like again most of the days i will show you in my whoop uh, in my like um, you know it's like this thing that measure everything you do basically normally i'm waking up at like at 5 30 and then if i have a lot of thoughts then i'm like let's go Mm-hmm. When I open my eyes, the problem is I'm 100% ready to go. Like 100%. Like I just need to go wash my, my teeth, pee, and that's it. You can put me like in, in a conference meeting with, with like 20, 200 people and I'm like, like I'm, like I'm now, like I'm ready. Like it's fine. Can I ask you an honest question? By the way, I started working on that. There are days the army helped me with that where if I wake up, especially if I have to be somewhere, mm-hmm. I just, my head, my head is telling me, you're tired, stay in, and I'm just like, shut up, boom, and I just like kick my kick right. my legs and get myself out right. of bed. And it's it's most days. Uh, what does this is a funny question, and I'm, we're going a little, we're staying on topic, right. but a little off. So many men, quite honestly, are just out of shape, unmotivated, low testosterone. They're not men. They're not impressive in any way. They go to their shitty job. They live their shitty lives. Right. And I just think that's a huge reason why they don't have, they're not happy in their marriages or their relationships. Their, their woman, their wife doesn't admire them as a strong, disciplined, motivated mm-hmm. man. So being that you're that guy, what do you feel like your wife, I'm sure you have a loving relationship. Do, do you ever have these talks where she like looks at you and says, I'm so, like, I'm so fortunate to have a guy that's so different. That's you're, It's rare to have that kind of... It's funny. Uh, uh, this is a question I really want to no, know. No, it's, why it's okay. You. My wife is exactly the opposite than me. Okay. Um, she's like, she's not like into like discipline. She's like, whatever happens, happens. But when she is in the zone, she's like me. Mm-hmm. So I need artificially to create myself to be where I need to put the more effort than the normal human being to be disciplined, I think. For her, it comes naturally when she needs. She's mm. like she's killing it at work, but she won't even be won't even bother herself until she works. And then she works, like I can't talk to her. She's like a different beast, which is funny. So every person has his own thing. Um, but the thing is, what I like about her, with my like when I'm reflect myself, like how she contributes to be disciplined myself is. 
every time when there is something big on the line, because that's how she works, she's like, Leo, you cannot fuck this up. Like, put everything you have. And even if I don't succeed, she's like, hey, keep going. Mm. Keep going. So I will say, like, in terms of she's not as disciplined as me, but when it comes to, like, the most important decisions or events, she knows how to push me more. Mm-hmm. You understand? So she won't, she won't, she will never accept me as a mediocre. She will never accept me. So she doesn't well, care how much I sti- You've set that standard for yourself by living the life you've lived. Right. People who, everyone who knows you has a certain, has a, they, they I agree live. with you. I agree with you. And I think that way for myself, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm regretful, but I know that I could have done at least a, a unit like, like a Div Devon or something. And there's always a little bit of a feeling of what if to me. And I met some guys, I have my, my friend uh, Mauro, shout out to you Mauro, he's, he's Argentinian, but he's, he's Jewish and he went to Divan, So, And I think about it because, yeah, the training was tough, but I definitely could have done a, a tougher training, 100%. I was, I, I was working out for years before I drafted. A lot of the guys were not in great physical shape. Some of them were, but not great. You know, like I was stronger than most of the guys. And I wanted to be in a place where I would be much more at the bottom where I'd have to prove right. myself. So that was one thing that was, you know. I will tell you something, though, in regards to that. I think it's everybody's problem. Even even I face something like that. For example, after I lost my dad, I started to play sports, different sports. One year soccer, different year basketball, baseball, swimming, just name it, everything. And everything I did, because I was competing with, with myself, I was very good. I was the captain in, in basketball one year. Then the next year, I was the captain of the, of the, of the football. This is, doesn't make sense. Like mm-hmm. who, who can do that? Something like that. I was so committed. But what happened is because I didn't have the father of figure to direct me and focus my talent in one thing, I, just, I was all over the place. So moving forward, as 20 years old, that I never been professional in any sport, I told myself, that's, I could be like Lionel Messi. I think I really could be. And this is such a miss. Like, man, this is like, what if? Like you said, like I regret it, right? But you know why I, I don't? Because it taught me a lesson of being focused. And I'll give you an example. I was training while I had a full-time job, normal life like everybody. I moved to Chicago actually from Israel eight years ago. I had like a job opportunity I could refuse mm-hmm. to. And in my free time, I just started to do like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I loved it. I, was, I also saw that I can be very good at it. So I was obsessed. I did everything I can to learn more and more every day, two times a day. Like you asked me how many times I train a day. That was the peak of my physical career, I will say. Um, and I won a few world championship titles. You know why? Because I learned from my, ch- my teenager or the childhood, stay focused on one thing. And people ask me, hey, do you want to play my best friends? Do you want to play soccer with us? Can't play billiard, can't play whatever. No, I'm going to jiu-jitsu. That's on, the only thing I do. Sports, that's the only thing I do. So to, to the point is, even if we face it in the, fu- in the past, sorry, and we made those mistakes, which we all human beings, we all make mistakes, it's not too late because you can still, like you learn your lesson. You learn mm-hmm. that now you need to be focused if you want to achieve greatness. You know, by the way, in regard to that, I see a lot of people that says you need to do what makes you happy. I think this is an, an issue in the, in the Z generation, or I don't know how they call it, like the younger generation. Yeah. You need to do what, what makes you happy. 
I so disagree with it. I will explain you. What makes me happy is watching Netflix and eat pizza all day. I'm telling you, I will be the happiest person alive. That's this what you really would rather do? Yeah. If okay. I could, just eat pizza and watch Netflix. This is the ideal time or uh, hobby or whatever you want to okay. call it, right? Even singing. I'm the worst singer. You're like, you don't even want to hear me <laughs> trying even, but I'm realistic. Yeah. You cannot build a career out of that. I no. cannot build a career out of watching Netflix and eat pizza. So I think this, the, the phrase or, or, or this approach of you need to, to do what makes you happy is, is a well, total wrong. You need to do what makes you great. You need to see what you're good at. Because normally when you do something that you're good at, it's inspire yourself more. It's inspire other people around you. You become like you get a status legend in a way, even if it's your inner circle, but still. And then it's grow from there because more people hear about you and you do it more and you have more experience and you keep pushing it. And, you can, and so when you're good at something, you will always be happy from doing it because it's inspire others or yourself or you grow and it's thin and you can be like the, the peak and you can be the top in the food chain, whatever it is. So I think this is um, important. Again, when you focus and you're good at something, put the effort there. Not what makes you happy, what you're passionate about, and all these uh, fairy tales that they're telling. This mm -hmm. is not how life works. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's almost irrelevant to tell my kid, hey, I want you to do what makes you happy. No. I want to I watch Netflix all day. Do I watch Netflix all day? No. Why? Because yeah. it's not a career. It's not going to take me anywhere. 100%. So. But then again, I mean, I, first of all, I fully agree with it. I love what you said. I mean, I like watching movies, but... I prefer to do something, I mean, that makes you great, like you said. I enjoy something that really takes a level of discipline and, and hardship. Right. Because, I mean, as much as I would like to watch a movie, dude, after two, three hours, man, I'm done. Like, I'm drained. Man, but I can cry watching a movie. I swear. I love, I love watching movies. I can do it all day. All but you day. know what? But you know what? Let me tell you another thing. Hmm. Although I love it. And that's also, you know, that's my deal with myself. I don't consume at all news. Mm -hmm. I barely watch TV. I wish I had more time. I love it to my bones. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah. but I wish I had more time. Now I decided in the last, let's say, nine, ten months, I decided all this garbage time, pretty much, that I'm not investing in myself. I'm going to hear podcasts. I'm going to listen to TED Talks. I'm going to uh, listen to books I can read, but that's my thing. I wish I could read books, but I'm listening to books, which is the same thing. You say you can't read books like in English, you mean? Yeah. Okay. No, I can read books. I can stand, like I can all the book oh. and read more than one sentence without losing my mind. Oh, basically. okay. You don't like to read. Okay. Yeah, I don't like to read. I yeah, just, yeah. I can't. I like, I understand the value. I just physically, I like, I don't know, my right. my. My mind is like on steroids all day. I can't, I can't focus. So, but listen, when I drive... I don't, I don't like to... By the way, I don't like to read that much either. I, um, I really don't. I prefer to so watch. I like, but I can't. Right. So I, I aware. So I listen to books, which is perfectly fine for me. So I listen to a lot of books, podcasts, TED Talks, and like amazing influential people. Even sometimes on social media, you have uh, like other people you can follow that really inspire you. Who do you like? Who follows you? Who, do you, who inspires you? Uh, for instance... Um, uh, what's his name? Gary, uh, I think you know him. He's like, I will get you the name. Uh, Vaynerchuk? I think so. 
I like that he's like straightforward. Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a Jewish guy. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He's all from the New York originally, or New Jersey. That's Gary V. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like to, I like to listen again. Like there are other. Uh, I think also what's his name? He's a comedian, uh, Steve uh, Harvey. I think his name. Steve Harvey. He has some good. He has some good sayings. He he came, you know. People are always looking for the shortcut. That somebody somebody told. That's something that somebody told me that I will never forget. People are always looking for the shortcut, but the fact is. You can never take the shortcut unless you know all the way. So I think what I appreciate about him that he was like he was homeless at some point, right? And he always tells about this story. It's really inspiring me because this guy had this vision and against all the odds he kept pushing and kept pushing. And you know, number one indication, back to the discipline, why it's so important. Number one indication of people to be successful by the way you can go everybody to ted talks and write grit or something like that that's how it called uh there is a, a nice presentation this lady gives they did like a very deep research and you know they any case long story short is grit is the number one indication for people to know if they're going to be successful in life or not because I'm oh, I saw this. I this saw is, the, a this woman is, gave this speech, Yes, right? this, is un, this is amazing. <coughs> and it's really connected me to the discipline because greed is driven by being very disciplined. But it's kind of like what, what behinds that. Discipline, it's an easy word to say. Yeah, you need to be disciplined. But when you understand that greed is the number one indication that every individual, any, every individual on this planet will be successful or not and you're not doing anything to improve your grit or to focus on that then you either very not ambition person or you dumb or you just very mediocre basically again i'm not trying to but i'm just saying people tell you this 100%. is the most important ingredient in every person to succeed or not and you're not putting anything even a little bit 10 percent more on what you're doing today on like an effort to to improve it that man like how you want to be successful yeah some people say yeah i'm cool i have this job to, you know nine to five and like i'm making 100 uh, you know a year mm -hmm. i'm very happy with okay fine i'm not i'm not blaming you i'm not saying i don't want to i don't want to have this this mentality of like yeah i'm fine and that's all no i want to keep pushing myself you don't want to be mediocre you don't want to get to the end of your life and and feel like ah everything was fine when you every time you're in the comfortable zone you do something wrong which is which is crazy to say enjoy the moment um, don't say enjoy the moment but that's your number one indication that you have to push a little bit more find a way so how do you so how do you decide when to take a break maybe you take your 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 wife and, and your kid you have how many kids one kid i have two kids three and a half and one life no yeah okay no so life pretty much no what no life, no life yeah. <laughs> but you have a great life man I, I, I love every bit of it. I That's swear. it. I, I respect you the way you live your life more than 99.9% .9 of people I've met. So say you want to go to the aquarium, right? You do jujitsu. You're working with the Jewish Foundation. Right. You're doing all this other stuff, right? How do you find, how do you decide, you know what? Today I'm going to take off and go to an aquarium. And maybe I'll take the weekend off and go to South Carolina. How do you tell yourself, this is something I think about. How do you tell yourself, um, I worked hard enough for now I'm going to do this. And there's probably time where you take off for a weekend and you're like, oh, I really want to get back to jujitsu. I wish I could be in the gym right now. I wish I could be working right now. But how do you do that without kind of beating yourself up? 
I think it's an interesting question. Just just so you know, in the last probably like three and a half years, I did not take even one day vacation pretty much, to be honest. But at the same time today before coming here, I was an hour with my kids in the swimming pool. Last night before my kid went to sleep, I built a Lego with him for like one and a half hours. Mm. This is like the best time for me. The point is, and this is something I learned during my uh, my martial arts career, my jujitsu, you know. I just go to a normal gym. It's actually one of the best ones. I was lucky to just, you know, it's not too far from my home. It's like 20 minutes drive, so it's totally doable. Yeah. Um, okay. Just it's called um, Wagner Martial I think Arts. I've heard of it. Is it in Broward? It's in Broward, yeah. Okay. It's on, on Hollywood on Taft Street. By the way, being a, and I know it's very cheap to just say you want to do something, but I one of my goals is to be a black belt in the martial art and jiu-jitsu seems like something i would want to do takes time by the way i got my black belt after six and a half years which is like a speed record how did you get it so fast Um, you were obsessed i was obsessed i didn't even know that's possible six and a half years how many i i try to think normal people go to train let's say three four times a week it's pretty good good case scenario right i mean it's not like extraordinary but it's pretty good like four times a week show me how many friends that are going to gym four times a week every week i go to the it's, i go to the it's workout. unusual or it's a good average uh-huh. right it's a good average i went every day two times like twice a day in the weekends i was like five to eight hours hours on a mat on the mat sorry a day like on saturday and sunday eight hours so only one day in my weekend was like an average time of a person in a week. You understand? Now, on top of that, add to, to that that I have like a kinetic talent as, as a human being in general. Um, and also I was, I really liked it and I was obsessed and I was, I, I saw I'm starting to be good at that. So it mm-hmm. inspired more people. So I left, I stay more to, you know. So it's kind of like, it's like a snowing ball that, you know, the more you just, feel with yourself even better and better and better and keep going um so normally the typical time takes like 12 hour 12 years or 10 years let's say if you if you are consistent with the four times a week um also bear in mind you have some injuries sometimes just even not related to martial arts just you know you did the wrong move with your shoulder at How you, have you gotten a lot of injuries from it i had one knee surgery besides that nothing too crazy um, which was even the knee surgery three I, months after I was already back in the gym. So it's not. I don't care. I'm, I'm more than more than happy to do it. So again, like even a year before I got my black belt, my professor came to me and told me, "Hey, listen, I think you deserve the black belt." Like after five and a half years, five and a half years, he already told me that I think you deserve the black belt. But if I will give you the black belt now, so people will be so mad at me. So I'm gonna give you that next year. And I, you know what I told him? I don't give a shit. Give me whatever you want. I'm already yeah. the best in the gym. That's what I care. You see what I mean? So again, like it's uh, it makes no difference for me. So, um, so again, yeah, this is uh, one of the things that you have to you have to stay focused on that and and keep pushing it. Um, and what makes you great, I think, the toughest challenge is to find what it is. But if you are stop all the consuming all this bullshit like the news, man. When was the last time you watched news and it was positive? Never. By the Never. way, I, I, this is how they sell papers. I hate watching the news. Hate it. Facebook hate algorithm it. built by 
negative stuff because that's intrigue us the instinct the whatever right the, the fight or flight oh. people like the fear they, it gets them going right. whether they love it or they hate it they, they right. lo- they're glued to it they can't stop oh this woman who someone right. Kardashian broke up with him and her and, and there's right. a hurricane and this country is the, yeah. being you know the, the, this dictator and blah 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 right. and they love it they soak it up it's crazy so, so I just stopped consuming this really this waste of time mm-hmm. and I started to focus on building more skills and teaching myself new areas for instance the the cryptocurrency mm-hmm. i like for three months i i did not invest in that but I, I said this is the next big thing which maybe appears to be not maybe yes who knows but i said that's a big thing let's learn this this thing i just wanted i just want to know it mm-hmm. so i invested three months of just listening to everything i could from youtube videos to everything i could to teach me that. Now, I think I'm in a good level to explain people what it means. Not that I care about it too much, honestly. Mm-hmm. Especially now when it's like crash, whatever. But but I, the point is, I invest in myself instead of... And this is what you ask me, how do I manage to balance my life and still enjoy and the vacations and this and that? I just really focus all my time in things I want to spend my time in it. I know it's going to take so me to the next level. So then you don't feel bad. Uh-huh, so yes. Okay. So I don't... So imagine you watch... The average person watch TV like, let's say, an hour a day. More than that, dude. Drinks, social, this, that, that. An hour is definitely not average. Probably like three, four hours a okay. day for most so people. So imagine every single day you have two more hours. Let's just say two more hours to teach yourself something. In three years, it's like almost a college degree. Mm-hmm. Now, what about 30 years? What about 10 years? What about a specific zone, a specific space that you really, really, really care and you want to be good at? Take real estate. If you take now all this BS time that we spend, you stop consuming all the negative and all these things that don't going to take you anywhere and you're going to spend every day two more hours in, ed- in educate yourself, although you're already educated, but you always can take it to the next level, right? About every deal somebody did in, this, in Broward County, whatever, anything. Whatever it is, yeah. You will be an animal in your field. Nobody can like you. Will be so educated, so well, so expert. Like you, you kill everybody else. All your competitions. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like now. I need three hours with my kids, but I'm fully dedicated to them. Like I'm in the swimming pool. The phone is on the side. I don't even watch it. I'm with them. We having fun. Go back shower water balloon throwing on whatever but when i with them i'm one percent so it's so intensive whatever i do is so intensive mm-hmm. so it becomes so productive that I, that my time is basically is well managed because i spend my time where i wanted to spend like where it's actually going to take me so that's a great answer yeah it's a great answer because yeah when you're either working you're doing jujitsu whatever the case is even if you're with your kids, in a sense, that's a job. You, you don't maybe look at it it's that way, but it's a job, it's, right? It's a full-time job, 100%. <laughs> so as long as you're doing something where you feel it's benefiting you and it's helping you grow as a person, then you don't have to worry about taking time away from right. the the other jobs because this is just as much, you know. Right. Yeah, when it's time be. off, when you're really so good in what you're doing or enjoy what you're doing, you know, just you inspire yourself, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense, mm-hmm. you know. You just you like it. Man, I enjoy like being with the swimming pool with my kids and not touching the phone. But then on the other end, I like, I, now I go back uh, at home 
and at 11 p.m. I will start to send emails to all my stuff. It's like, man, this guy is crazy. Yeah, I am crazy. <laughs> and you better, you know, you better know this, know that because like we are to level up together. So only by thinking about the reaction when they're going to open this email and see the time I send them this email is 1 a.m. or 11 p.m. or something like that during the Rosh Hashanah holiday. By the way, happy Rosh Hashanah to everyone. Um, it's already inspired myself. You know, it's kind of like, wow, man, like I, I know they're going to talk about me. Like I know, like, yes, that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I know mm -hmm. I don't do it because I'm arrogant. I do it because I want to lead people. I want to inspire people. I want to inspire myself. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, this is the micro wins, like this discipline thing. Like I just do something that I know is the best out of everybody and I'm getting my own respect and others, but it's not the focus on others. It's just myself, you know? I'm focused on myself, like to be my best version. So nobody can argue about it, you know? So it's kind of like, uh, again, it's, uh, it's the chicken and the egg in a way. But once you're in this role of like, man, I'm going to be the best in whatever it is, it's just keep pushing you more and more and more and whatever I will do, I'm telling you. Um, so today, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm doing for the Jewish Federation. Um, first of all, pretty much I'm the only Israeli I think ever worked for a Jewish Federation um, in a sea level just because it's the culture of an Israel, like Israel culture and the US culture is very different. I always say not going into religion because like I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a big like religious, religious person. fan, yeah, person. Yeah. But I think the difference between Jewish American and Christian American are much much smaller than Jewish American and Israelis. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Much smaller. So it's very unusual already that you have an Israeli in the sea level. Put aside that I'm the youngest in the organization almost. So that's very unusual that I got this job as the chief operating officer in the, in the Jewish Federation. Mm. Um, and and I think again, I, I lost my my what I what I really wanted to say. But the point is, um, or back to back to what I started to to talk about, is I always have to kind of like put myself on the spot of like I have to make it happen. You know, no matter what what I do, um, I have to make it happen. Um, and that's again, that's kind of like a a routine but it just it just happens to be um i'm trying to think because i had like a good point to uh, uh to talk about so a couple things i do want to get into your some of your experiences after training i remembered okay go ahead so <coughs> it's a new it's a new role i started with stand strong which we'll talk about in a second but the point is uh i met with um with the campaign director hmm. they're doing the fundraising and um, put aside like the, you know, how good they do, what they don't do. I, I'm still new to the role, so I'm just trying to learn and hear and meet people and kind of like get to know the personalities and the, the departments we have. And I told her, listen, if I were in your campaign, I would manage to fundraise a million dollars, which is like two times more than the best guy they have in the in-house pretty much. And he's like, why are you so confident? And I said, First of all, I have no doubt I will, be, I will be managed to do that. The point is, I will not go to sleep until it's done. So I allow myself to aim high because I know I will deliver. And I know I will deliver because I will die before I won't deliver. Chop all my limbs, I will deliver. 
you know, back to the story. Yeah. It just, it, it, that's how, that's, that's how I, I wired, I programmed. Like if I take a decision, like I'm going like, I'm going to nail it. There's no other option. You know, it's funny. Like it's a, yeah. It's a beautiful attitude. That's literally what I tell myself with both things I'm doing now. I said, the only way I'm going to quit is if God kills me. Like if I die, that's it. Right. Then, and you know, uh, I actually saw, uh, in one of the social media of people I, I follow, I forgot the name, but he talked about like how you take, how you take decisions and you know, all those type of things and whatever results you want to have. Okay. You have the event that happens and you weigh how you're going to react to this event. The event you have no control for the most part, like just somebody stole my car. Right. I mean, maybe I could, I could like it more, but like it happens, right? mm -hmm. shit happens in life. Right. Mm -hmm. So the event just happened. The way I'm going to react to that, it's 100% on my control. So the results is also affect by my, my reaction. So again, going back to, like you said, until I'm dying. Yeah. I don't, maybe when I live here, I, I will die in a car accident. Hopefully not, but God knows, right? But I know that until this point, I will do everything I can to succeed and be a better human being and, and mm -hmm. not regret on what I did. And if I regret, I will learn from that and I will fix it right away. You see what I mean? So, 100%. And that's a life worth living. I could not agree more. There's very few people think this way. Uh, so, so, what do you, what, first off, so we still have many questions for you. Stand Sorry. strong. Yes. What exactly do you do with that? Okay. So um, going to how I, I, how I founded this organization, basically. Uh, I moved eight years ago or, or maybe more from Israel to Chicago for a job offer that, that I, I told you, I mentioned before. Um, during this time, it was my wife and I, we moved from Israel to Chicago, Chicago downtown. We had no friends. We had no family. You, you don't know a thing. Did there. you speak English at the time? Yeah, I spoke English. Not as, I mean, obviously in the, the last eight years, my English got improved, which can always do. And I'm still working on that. But like intellectually, I'm, I'm okay. It's, yeah, it's great. Know. Your English is great. You just have an accent, but the English is great. Yeah. Uh, uh, fine. Yeah. I, I'm still not you. where I wanted to be, by the way, okay. but it's, it's a process. I understand it. You know, there is much, there is much I can do. You, you know, also kind of want to have the accent. It makes it more... Uh, the accent, I, I try to get rid of it and don't, everybody told me don't try. Don't like do it's, that. It's okay. Because especially the, it, there's, a, there's a flavor to it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. I was in Israeli Navy Seal. You know, <laughs> if it's, it's like, funny. if you have a perfect English, it's less authentic. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So to the Every, story... You, you get up on the, on the podium and everyone's like... <gasps> Yes, and like, yes. Whoa, it's man. unusual, right? It's <laughs> unusual, I'll say. It's, that's good to be unusual. You don't want to be like a shit, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. in a way. So in any case, I, I told my wife, listen, I love you. I really do. But I feel like something is missing. We have no friends, no family. There is no purpose. I'm just working from like nine to six and then mm -hmm. go back home. Like, that's it. So I started to volunteer for the community. I started to talk about my military service, which we didn't talk about besides the trial, but like operations and stuff like that. And then I, I started to talk about the life in Israel. During this time, I started to win like world championship titles in jiu-jitsu. So people started to ask me about like leadership. Long story short, uh, people asked me while I did this, hey, can you do like a self-defense demo, like Krav Maga? 
said, uh, yeah, now this is completely voluntarily. Like I, I, this is, I had a full-time job and I, this is like was in the evenings or a day when didn't work or whatever, you know, weekends and stuff like that. While I was doing it for years and this is how many shared, how many Navy, Israeli Navy SEALs you have in Chicago, live downtown, that volunteer, just happy to zero, right? So I became popular and then what happened is after a little bit, few very influential people, in particular one, uh, Ted, Ted Schwartz, he told me what you're doing is absolutely amazing. My vision is that every city in the US will have what you're doing, which is basically empower teenagers by teach them self-defense. That's the, that's the point. You know, people being bullied or a little bit soft or came from poor families or families that the parents never directed them in the right way to build their self-confidence, self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Probably the biggest problem we have in the society right now. People have a little bit more, you know, chutzpah or guts or, or self-esteem, you know, and to speak up. And, um, and also, while we're doing this, we learn from the ADL, which you know the ADL, right? The ADL that 60% of the Jewish students on college campuses are hiding their Jewish identity. That's insane for me. Yeah. I'm like an Israeli, yeah. I yeah. don't hide it. People can tell me I disagree with what you did. I will say I totally respect it, although I don't care. I, I, yeah. I sleep very well at night, yeah. right? I'm very, very satisfied and I'm very complete with myself on what, what I did and I protected Israel, but that's crazy that, and we started to think about why. And the BDS, not going into this discussion too much, but the BDS are very loud. The problem is that when the Jewish students go to college, they hear those aggressive voices and they say, ah, I don't want to go to the conflict. Like, yeah, like uh, ju uh, students for uh, SJP, Students for Justice in Palestine, and all those other groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you say, like, I will avoid it. I will just say I'm like a normal American, typical right, American right, teenager, right. and that's it pretty much. Go finish college and do my thing. Uh, but that's that's the, the problem is with that, and I always say, obviously I'm... I'm you know, I'm subjective. I love Israel. I live there. Everybody is very welcome to go and see that this, this place is not an apartheid state by mm -hmm. all means. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm very confident that everybody will understand it once they land in the airport. But I always say, do you have the 20% of, let's say, the bad guys or the BDS guys, you will never be able to convince them otherwise. They will always be there. And you have the 10% that will always be pro-Israel, let's just call it, right? Which is already fundamentally weird because this is pro which i love to believe in believing or be pro of something then anti-israel right already there is a problem but the problem is not there because you'll never change their mind nor theirs 100 it's the 70 percent that are neutral and they hear more than 20 percent because they're louder more aggressive this 10 percent 60 percent of them already don't want to even present themselves as jews so the problem is the neutral people hear more of that what do you think will happen in 20 30 years today they're going to support that side yeah Exactly. So the goal of the program is to go to the teenagers before they go to college campuses and build their self-esteem. Tell them, listen, you guys are strong. You should be proud of who you are and what you believe, whatever it is, but you should be proud and, you know, speak up, stand up proud, you know, pump your chest and talk whatever you want to say. Like, don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated mm -hmm, by, by mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. um, so the program is Ten Strong. I found that three years ago with this, with this person. Since then, you know, it's grew to Chicago, Florida, South Florida, LA, and so forth. We've been all over the country, you know, from New York to, um, to Texas, pretty much everywhere. And uh, we're taking a group of teenagers 
that willing to commit to like um, 18 high classes and we take them through how to keep themselves safe with like very empowering uh, messages mm-hmm. basically that, that's the program I built from start to finish I, I, I grew this organization from like one man show to like 20 employees already I just had a crazy like I'm just having these moments like just having these visions of college right? Mm-hmm. like right when I get out of the army I had one more year of college of undergrad and I wore my shirt and it's like a very mixed group of people there's like you have a lot of Muslim students, a lot of like students who are just as in Palestine. For some reason, when I got back for that last year, I never saw them. And when I we used to go to college before the army, that last year I did see them, not that much, but I saw them. And that whole semester, I know it was, I think, what was it, two semesters, didn't see any of them. It's weird. Right? Yeah. They saw me come. They saw me coming in with my shirt. <laughs> good, good job then. You never good know. You that's, never know. that's how you build the reality. You, you are picking up and uh, they're trying to avoid you know, to present could, their evil side. It could be. I mean, it's a big stretch, but it could be that they, for whatever reason, I don't know. But yeah, I, I love it. Okay. So um, this is Stand Strong. Um, I will say like a few weeks ago, a month approximately, I started a new position. Again, I got to a point where my learning curve become like flat. Mm-hmm. I already knew exactly what we're doing in Stand Strong. Obviously, it's like I built it from scratch pretty much. And now... You know, this is very established and recognized um, nonprofit already in, in, in this in this field. And I said, this is back to a little bit, you know, the conversation we had earlier. I need more than that. I did not come this far just to come that far. Mm, you know what I mean? I love so, that saying. Right? So I started to look for a bigger challenge. And um, I found it, like, big time. Uh, as as this, the chief operating officer in the Jewish Federation of Brow County, which is amazing, amazing team. Uh, basically, the Jewish Federation, just to understand in, in general, this is the umbrella of all the Jewish life and Jewish organizations in, <coughs> in the region, pretty much. So Everything, uh, APAC, all these things? So you have, like, I will say, some organizations that kind of, like, very, like, do their own thing, like birthright and impact, but this is very, like, these are, like, big, engines like mm. you you they don't need anyone kind of like dictating or even telling what to do they know they got this they have their own fund funding channels and so forth but basically every other organizations from holocaust survivors to anywhere you know people like everything every other from schools even like jccs like jewish community centers stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um we are supporting this as a federation as the umbrella those organizations and we fund them basically uh that's the job which is like i have the best the best job in the world right now because what i'm doing is is the best combination of actually helping people right like my organization give other organizations they're doing phenomenal job with helping other people our communities and in addition this is like i won't say a powerhouse but this is like the most influential organization within this space so i'm already in the right place and I'm in like in very good position there, which inspire myself to do a better job. So I always like I'm you know I'm like nonstop working now. It's like the, the greatest opportunity. You must uh, feel so appreciated, man. The people who were, who who work with you probably like love you. They probably really appreciate. I um. You're like a superhero to them. I I worked very hard to be where I'm now. You know mm-hmm. I worked very hard. I build my reputation. Sorry. <clears throat> um, network. Uh, improving my personal skills, working 
also i will say luckily i was you know just privileged to be when i founded the non the stand strong my three years ago my non-profit i started this completely involuntary so basically every person got involved within like in a board level management level everybody wanted to be successful because mm. they say i mean this guy did it like for like v- completely voluntarily like he's like this is amazing what they do let's help him so what happened is every day i had like an hour or two with the different billionaires slash multimillionaires that they just want me to succeed in a person level because they knew that stand strong will succeed so in the last three years i've been in college that nobody can it's like nobody can apply to mm-hmm. right even mm-hmm. if you're the most genius person and every day i had like a different mentor and a different you know guidance or someone i'm working with which is like ultra successful and what i did is i took an advantage of that or i don't know if it took an advantage but i i just recognized the opportunity so i try not just to learn from them i try to learn how their mind process mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. how they think how they approach problems how they solve problems learning about operations how they manage their their companies what you know like those type of things the behind things not just the, the the formal or the obvious stuff i try to really think about why why decided like that why doing like this one you know all the all the other things and man i'm telling you what i learned in the last three years is like i'm like 60 years old in terms of experience wow this is show me one person that had like several multi-millionaires super ultra successful in different fields businessmen operations um insurance guys uh lawyers um everything like just name it like every field and every person works in different way in different space so you have to see and i just gathered the information gather again i was very i always analyzed i always analyzed i didn't say ah that's fine you know and moved on no i write like before I go to sleep, I have to understand what's, what happened today. So wow. just an amazing opportunity, you know, it's, I'm very grateful for that. And again, maybe I'm like the youngest person almost in my organization, but I'm telling you, even in terms of my leadership managing skills, I'm like, I have no doubt. I'm like, I'm, I'm better than every other person in my age that, you know, that has or don't have it, you know? Um, and I'm willing to do the extra mile. I'm willing to work hard and uh, and so forth. You know, it's beautiful. What I'm realizing is you built a reputation. Like I said earlier in the episode, you kind of created a life where you and other people have high expectations for you. And you always want to make sure at the very least you're living up to those expectations. And I'm sure it's conscious. I'm sure you think about it, but it's also subconscious at this point. And that's the beauty of building yourself as a man is like doing things that are hard and challenging, but you know, will, you'll feel, you'll respect yourself, but also other people are going to respect you. And as a man, not having respect is, is everything. If, if people don't respect you, you don't feel valuable. Your life doesn't have meaning. It's not about caring what other people think necessarily, but you, you need to be a valuable person. People want to be around somebody that they respect, that they look up to, that they admire. So I think, you know, just my perception of what you're telling me, if you're in a leadership position and you have the experiences you've had, especially being in Shayatid, it's like people are going to really see you as somebody, uh, you know, prestigious. They're going to, they understand, they recognize that very, very, you know, 
a practically a microscopic percentage of the of the world can put themselves in that environment and succeed and get through it and even these multi multi-millionaires even billionaires they acknowledge that you did something that they probably wouldn't have been able to do and i think that uh, a lot of them are probably like they're they really admire you for it it's huge you know i have a friend uh Hezi, i love you um we're not close enough but he was with me in the service mm-hmm. in the turnout not the shayate though if you remember mm-hmm. he, he was in the nachal he told me one ta- <coughs> one thing that i will never forget he told me successful business want to gamble put their money on the right horse not on the right race meaning let's say you're taking you know you're taking like a race that it's going to be easy to win right and you put it on like the horse that looks like the best out of it it can fail like easy like it just something happened right but once you invest in the horse that no matter what his competition will be and what challenges he will face you believe in this horse to win the race then anything else is a background noises and i think uh again like of course i'm subjective and i want to vote for myself and yada, yada, yada. every person i think should should have the confidence and should have the that ambition enough to to say hey, i'm gonna be some t- something someday right mm-hmm. and work for that obviously this is what makes the difference if you are work for that or not but everybody is subjectively appreciate himself more than maybe others whatever so it's not bad i'm not arrogant i'm just believing myself i want to push myself um but i am believed that i'm this horse whoever will invest in me i promise you i will because i have to you know even if you chop my limbs off i will have to i have to you know so so they know that they know that this is my mentality so this is the easiest decision for them to make instead of trying to find the right race that maybe you that's done you know even if he's going to lose one or two races in the long run he will beat everyone because he will keep training keep pushing himself and and so forth and i think in um one story that really changed um a lot in myself um i will tell you the story in a second but when i was a teenager remember i told you every year i did different sports and i was like very arrogant mm-hmm. i was the most arrogant competitive person you ever meet as a te- teenager now, i'm not i'm not blaming myself i was a teenager a foolish yeah, teenager, yeah. right mm-hmm. just who i was when i went to the service to my military service in the shayatet i started like that but then life humbles you so fast <laughs> like so fast and the point is by the way is not who is the fastest or the, the fastest swimmer or runner or the best shooter or the best whatever tactician or whatever whatever you diver whatever you need to do it's the people that can their team can trust themselves so every person in my team and the vice versa we knew that always they will cover my six and right. you know the vice versa so mm-hmm. people that you need to trust and also very capable so i understood very early there that it's not about how good i am it's how good team member i am which is more important than how good i am in addition you need to have this capability but this is like this is who cares about it of course this is already like obvious it's default but you need to trust so i became from super arrogant to like too humble and uh and it took me a lot of time to find this balance between not be arrogant but still very competitive but also like a team player 
So I can tell you, like, I'm the nicest guy in the, in my workspace wherever I go. Mm-hmm. But also, at the other end, I will be, like, the most competitive type. Now, so the story, this is an interesting because everybody should, should remember this story and they will love it. And I don't know how much time we have, though. But I will just tell the story because that's going to change everybody's uh, perspective in how I found this balance between be competitive but also a friend or, you know, a, a colleague, right? A good, a good leader. So, um, Sarkozy president, you know the Sarkozy? Uh, yeah, uh, Sarkozy is for France, right? Correct. Yeah, right. yeah, okay. So, before he was the president, he was, um, he was a mayor of some city or some like a big, big different role that not, not the president. So, after he, be, he, be, after he finished his presidential uh, <laughs> um, role and, you know, years after, a reporter did an interview with him and told him, and I'm going like fast forward with the story because the point is like you'll never forget this this point. He said, um, "She asked, well, you always vote for yourself that you're not the smartest, you're never the most intelligent person in anywhere. You don't even have an educational degree, like not even high school. You came from a poor family. You never been like the, the ta- most talented. You clearly know this this then the prettiest person. You said it right mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. How?" from all those downsides, how you become the most influential person in the, in the country, which is very interesting question. This is like, what are you trying to think? What makes, you know, the, how the mind, how the wheels are spinning in his head, right? How, how it can be passable, Larry. Mm-hmm. There is nothing on the paper that will I- indicate that he's gonna be the president of the right. France, right? So he said, let me tell you a story and that will explain you everything. And this is where Stormy really shocked me. Um, while he was a mayor, they, um, they launched a new museum or something like that. Again, I don't remember exactly the story, but the story is. And every person, you know, as the mayor, and like, this is my new museum, everybody wanted to get close to him, and he was the, mo- the most uh, popular and important figure in the event, so everybody come to him to say hello, right? As every event, right? You have this, this guy that everybody is kind of like attracted to because his position, whatever. Um, so every person that came and shake his hand, he gave them very personal compliment. So it's not it's not just oh I love your shirt like oh man this color on your t-shirt on this shirt is like fits you perfect or oh this is why you're so successful look at your beautiful wife or you know those shoes I was looking to buy them where did you find it I couldn't find it anywhere. Smart. So every person that came to him like he gave them not just a compliment but like very super personal like you can like this is oh you strike me like this is like you clearly look at me you care about me you scan me mm-hmm. and you know what important for me right in a way and people started to gather around him while he's like shaking people's hands and now the problem is if i gave you on the shoes and the chairs and watch whatever i can't keep repeating itself because the whole point is very very personal, personal right. so while the last person came to shake his hands He's like looking for something and he's looking around and everybody like he gave all everything that the compliments out yeah like there is nothing in his in his arsenal to me right, right. while he's shaking his head it took some time he said man you have a strong shake hand so the point is to the story is you always need to look for good in people before you look the, the good and he was in the best position he always gave the, the most co- personal touching you know compliment Mm-hmm. And what happened is, imagine that, you know, we're going for a double date or you go with your partner 
let's imagine we're going for a dinner just as a friend you know invited me and all this conversation in very genuine way right because that's the point of of being personal not just generic stuff right very genuine way i give let's say your girlfriend i give her a lot of compliments but like i really like the your business this is very smart this is the right timing i think you're excellent so tell me a little bit more about oh man i love how you did it this is so special mm -hmm. right what's going to follow this meeting is you create i call it the thank you culture you create a triangle that will always serve you back and that's what sarkozy did she gonna love me because i appreciate her i was very personal to her she appreciated me because i see the good at her right so she's she is already a fan of mine what's gonna follow besides that which is the obvious she's gonna make sure that you appreciate me and you love me and you stay close to me because she knows it's gonna serve her interest mm -hmm. because i appreciate her so she'll make sure you're close to me because it serves her interest what happened is she's a big fan of me and you're a big fan of me by giving her this compliment so the point is and in the beginning it sounds like it's not genuine it's artificial it's like yeah, so it sounds like it's, yeah. but the thing is once you program your way of thinking of looking the good in people and give them empower them it's really empower them what is empower you don't have to do it but you want to do it i realize i do this with certain friends when i'm close especially when i'm close with friends if i see they have a nice shirt or whatever it is i'll just do it yeah you're just saying it so why you know i back then when this facebook you know like 10 years five five years ago somebody sent me a friend request on facebook i'm like no nah, 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 deny yeah somebody told me why you deny why wh why you care like i mean why you be why you being arrogant with other people why you be just be good to everybody it's just gonna serve you at some point mm -hmm. you understand mm -hmm. even if it's a lower level of you or whatever essentially it's gonna serve you if you are a nice guy right so the point is again I'm not saying go tomorrow and start walking the street and hey, I like, but what it makes you, it's kind of like your default will be be good to others, look the good in others. People will think you are a good guy. You will become a good guy. Like the perspective you, you mentioned, like I know I have to deliver. I know I'm more disciplined. I can't fuck this up right now. I have to be disciplined. I can't tell you that I'm waking up at 6 a.m. and tomorrow go wake up at, at 9. 9, right. I, you understand? So the same principle works here. You start to look the good in other and people start to be more appreciated. You start to build your reputation as the good guy. And start to, so it's kind of like a snowball that really essentially just serves you. And I will be honest with you today, it's my default. Not because like genuinely, every, every place I go, I just want to be this guy because in my perspective... That's I already I I reprogram myself to to be like that. You know, saying so, it's not because it's natural. I'm, it's natural. It's not because I'm trying to you know uh, just be um uh, I forgot the word um uh, well it's disingenuous or like not real yeah whatever. yeah no I'm I'm genuinely this is how I now works mm -hmm. now now I work right so um, uh so this is like a story that really changed with how you can build reputation and. Because we're always in these competitive areas in your life. And, and something I really appreciate about you, Eyal, that you mentioned him in the beginning, is, so to speak, a competition for you. But it's not really. You know why? Because there is enough, enough for everyone. A hundred percent. So just be so kind to others 
that even he and even everybody else will appreciate you, which essentially will be your reputation. It's exactly my years. thought process. I'm not gonna keep it quiet. Like, oh, I'm not gonna say what he does for a living. No. He, yeah, he helped. He, he's awesome. Me. He's great. He's a and great you guy. are awesome. And yeah. everybody can live. You know, yes. anyone can make yes. a living, right? Even, so. even more so with uh, certain transactions. He's been in the business longer than I have, and he's very successful. Right. He has a lot of connections. If there's a kind of deal, if there's a kind of real estate deal that I think he would be great to do. Okay, for instance, multifamily. He's very good at multifamily. Mm -hmm. If I have a client who wants to buy a multifamily, who wants to list multifamily, AL's going to be one of the first people I look at yeah. and want to work with. So I'm willing to take less commission and work with him, and I know that my client's going to get amazing service. Precisely. Boom, and I get to learn in the process. AL's going to teach me, yada, yada, you know what I mean? So that we already spoke about that, so that's, right. that's going to happen. Uh, so incredible, incredible things. I'm, I'm loving this. I, I'm sitting here listening so much, and I. Just, I'm sorry, I made. No, 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 not at all. I, this is how it's how it should be. Um, it's but like, there are certain podcasts where I'll go very back and forth. Okay. But this is for me. It's it's really special to me to have somebody uh, that I admire so much, even though we we barely, we just met for the first time. So I I'm doing a lot of listening because I have a lot to listen. Um, in terms of uh, your your actual experiences, right? What were some of the most intense experiences in Kav, right, in, in actual combat? When, when, when did you serve? It was so I served from um, 2003 to 2008, which is like approximately five years. 2003 to 2008. It was during Le Lebanon's second war. And actually the most intense period <coughs> was after Gilad Shalit Shalit kidnap, if you remember. Okay, so just to quickly do this, guys. For whoever doesn't know, Gilad Shalit was an Israeli soldier. He was uh, in the uh, cast lead. Okay, uh, that was the uh, that was the the war. Um, the one of the the f first guys of war, right? Yeah, cast lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's after we gave Gaza. And what was it in '06 or '08? I'm forgetting already when cast lead was. Anyway, it was <laughs> it was a war where. What what, what year was it? I can look it up, but I don't remember. I think it was, if I need to guess, uh, somewhere eight. between uh, 2005 uh, sure to six, Must be somewhere there. Probably operation. six closer to that. Operation date. I'm just curious. I want to see. Yeah, 2008. I was right. December 27, 2008. Eight? Yep. No. Yeah? Yeah. It says Gaza war start date on December in December 27, 2008, in response to eight years of barrages of rockets and missiles launched by Hamas. No, no, no. So that was that was before that. That was before well, that. That yeah. was the operation follows uh, followed. Maybe. So Gilad Shalit was before. When, when Gilad Shalit was kidnapped, because it went right away, right after. Like it, I'm talking about, like days after. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was like, you know, we went all loose. Like what, you know, you don't do that to us. To the 20 uh, June 25, 2006. Yeah. Makes sense. So what, so yeah, what, I remember. Which, six, which operation was it? Hold on, two thousand six. So, that was uh, that was a while. Gaza Israel conflict, but I thought there was a name for it. Wasn't there? A, wasn't there a name? It's for interesting. It? I don't think they even have names because it was like even not like now we're saying oh it's another round, right with Gaza, right? But it was before it was rounds because what happened is long story short we gave Gaza to you know to them pretty mm -hmm. much yeah you could say palestinian doesn't matter yeah whatever we you gave them call. the gaza voluntarily we said we disengage completely do whatever you want 
and what I pay for a year, completely one year, no IDF soldier step on Gaza Strip. Um, and what they did instead of like, I'm telling you, I have friends from my team, like clearly, a friend from my team, like my brother. He lived in Gaza Strip before we gave them Gaza Strip. We went to visit him a few times there and the beaches, the area was like gorgeous, like, like amazing, like Sinai, you know, when you like really unbelievable. Mm. And they could literally, instead of all this shit and the tunnels and the rockets that they built and invested in all this terror stuff, they could build like an amazing club meds and like tourism. Like it could be like so amazing, like so amazing. I'm telling you, I've been there. That was like, wow, better than any coast in Israel, any beach in Israel. That was like way nicer. Why was it so nice? Just like Sinai, like not many people touch this area too Mm -hmm. much, you know, Mm -hmm. and everywhere the human beings are we ripped this off pretty much after <laughs> a short, um, short amount of time. Yeah. But point is, um, we gave them this land and they uh, completely fucked this up. They, you know, they focused on the terrorists. So for a, for all year, no soldier could, could, you know, like we, like we didn't, we want to give them like a fair chance. Like do your thing. It was before we even locked the sea. They, they did everything they wanted back then. And they started to shoot rockets through Israel. Um, in fact, I'm not going into much details, uh, but my team and I were the first soldier to enter Gaza Strip, uh, to stop. So back then they shot rockets through Israel and we didn't know how they do that. Like we didn't know if it's silos or if they like, s- like spontaneously. You didn't have, uh, keep up Brazil. You didn't have the iron dome. Nothing. No, I'm talking so, about man, 2000, so, so like those nothing. rockets were just falling onto. Yes. Thing. Yes. Periodically. We didn't know even, we didn't have the intel, the intelligent to know how many people do that if it's from houses i think israel did not have the technology yet to even know where it coming from exactly mm-hmm. now you know on the like <coughs> yeah. on the square feet you know exactly like who did it everything you have everything in the sky and drones everything yeah, yeah. like everything you can monitor everything but back then like it was like very virgin like nobody knew anything so they sent us because there was they recognized the pattern of like pr- the same unit, the same few terrorists that's, that's, that's sending the rocket from the approximately the same area in the same times pretty much. So they send us to stop them, which we did, which was amazing. And I can tell a little bit about this. Uh, the, after we disengaged. all the details because I want to know the day that they told you you were going in. I'm going, I'm deep diving right now. I, you. I, will share, I will share as much as I can though because by the way i'm telling about this this, this story in general most of the operation i can i can't talk about no but yeah. this one was published in the news in okay, israel okay. so technically i'm not like i'm not saying anything that's classified already because it's been you see what i mean but i'm not gonna say anything so what i meant by that is you don't have to go into all these little details but I, I wanted to understand the apprehension like the feeling you had in your chest of okay. when they said you're going to gaza yeah how was it Okay. Send me like why are we even waiting? Why I did all this <laughs> training, man? If I can stop terrorists from shooting rockets through mm-hmm, Israel, mm-hmm. that's why I'm. That's why I signed for. Hundred percent. So it wasn't even my personal view on my military service, which is like insane in a way. Like I will never talk like that ever again, especially when I have kids now. But I, I was, I was sure I will lose my life during my military service. I'm saying it, not I thought. I said I was sure because. In a way, I just accepted it. 
I know it's the dumbest thing that only a teenager can do, right? Um, but I was willing to pay the price, honestly. Luckily, um, my team and I were so skillful that we managed to protect ourselves. But I can tell you about stories that I was like as close as possible. I've been under fire like a zillion times. I don't even remember. Yeah. But, uh, but to the story, we went there and they sent us for a few days to wait for them. Essentially, they show up. We stop them. The biggest thing for us was not just that we stopped them, which was like literally the first soldiers walking on Gaza Strip back after, you know, we gave them that that area, uh, was we learned their process, how they do that, uh, which was which was useful, uh, very useful for, for all the intelligence and uh, Air Force and everything because moving forward, we could um, uh, we could kind of like predict better Mm -hmm. how they do stuff and how we can stop them so that was like a, a big thing um gaza is very special i will say in a way it's the only place on the face of the earth that when there is shooting everybody it's like a party everybody all the neighbor everybody comes everywhere from hezbollah to pakistan to every every other place in the world in the world when there are shootings, everybody run away. Who wants to die, right? Nobody wants to die. And especially the uninvolved, like the, the families, mm -hmm. the women, the kids, everybody run You're away. they all come outside, whatever? Man, it's like a party. All the neighborhood are coming outside. Now, imagine how complicated it is that you have like terrorists that shooting at you and you also see kids in your, your target. Like, yeah, like obviously you, you don't like. So that's part worry. of why they do it, right? Because they want to. That's what they do. That's, right. that's their system. Right. That's their system, and then one kill get killed. Very unfortunate, and tragic. In the news and, yeah. exactly. That's how they make a living. That's how they keep themselves there in in, in the positions and getting money and all all this all the bad stuff um, that keeps this this conflict alive pretty much. Um, but to the point is, after this, uh, after we stopped them, we started to disengage. As I said, it started to be like a party. We're running back basically to the ocean and this is here's this a is question do you feel that a lot of them were afraid of you though like even uh guys from hamas or not at all i felt they had no problem to die no no they just it's uh your common sense is in a way not their sense today i will i will assume that especially the youngsters and the women are probably afraid so let's say there is a there's a hamas soldier right the terrorist pretty much and he tells like a family, you have to go out and, and, and we're gonna shoot a rocket, but we want you to be there because if they if they kill, they like it's a store. Of course, the family will say no. There are human beings, mm -hmm. like every human being wants to survive and protect these kids, but they are afraid to say no because they will literally kill them on the spot. So now it's the problem is a little bit different, but in general, Gaza today is like once there is some. Now it's only like specific missions and, you know, the IDF and the, it's different. But back then it was like casual. Let's go in. Something happens, shooting, party, all the shebang. Like it's like it's a day in the just, office. I'm, I'm visual. I'm just trying to visualize. You're telling me the story and I'm imagining what it's like, right? So when I, when I used to do arrests, obviously it's not Gaza, right. but... As soon as we go in, either we go in to through the regular entrance, but most of the time we would go in through, you know, some way from the side. We, right, right. <laughs> we left the jeeps a few, I don't know, a few kilometers away or whatever it was, maybe a kilometer away, two kilometers, and we would do the walk. So 
it would take them longer to realize, but uh, they realized anyway. The dogs, the dogs would be barking. They start cursing us out. You know, everyone's yelling Jaish. Everyone's yeah, yelling, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. And um, pretty much everything gets blown anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and then we just go all get it. everyone gets excited, the adrenaline, whatever. But in your in your case, I'm just trying to picture myself in that position. Is like. What can you tell me? Because I know, like, you can't say certain things. So, I, so I, I can tell you after we disengaged, okay? Because the goal was just to stab them and, and to gather the information about how they're shooting rockets. We did it. Mission accomplished. Let's go back home, pretty much, mm-hmm. because uh, we're not playing games. We're not just there to kill people and make noise. Well, was we, there a moment where you had a shawarma there? Was there a moment where, like, were there any weird experiences that you remember just being there? Like, did you? At some point, you. So I will tell you two stories that that one, both will answer your question pretty much. So when we disengaged from this particular operation, we ran through the ocean, which, in terms of what what I can share, I will stop there. But while we're running, what they did, more and more people started to come, and what they did, they just took their weapons, their Kalachnikovs, and just started to spraying. So while we're running because like so many people are coming, even we were super skilled and super experienced team, man, you like you have like thousands of people already there. Like this is, you know, like it's, it's no thousands place you- Thousands of people. Yeah, it's not a place you want to stay in, right? And, and so bullets were pretty much just flying around. Yeah, like, and yeah. the sand is like ting, ting, ting while running, like, like Rambo story, <laughs> like Rambo movies. Like so I'm telling you, that was like, a, that was a funny story. And then, and, and by the way, I literally remember vividly at this moment, that I told myself, I'm so glad they pushed me in the training because now if I don't run fast enough with all the equipment and man, you have like a lot of kilos on your back. If I don't run as fucking fast as I can with all my team, we're, gonna, we're dead. Gonna die, yeah. We're dead. Like I'm literally running in the sand and chin, 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 chin. Like the sand is like, like that's a movie. Like this is like you can't, in- Hollywood cannot invent something like that. This is crazy. I mean, they could make a movie in your life. It sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, that, that's funny though. I mean, but it's, it's makes you appreciate like the, the hard work you put before and you understand like how important it is. Even the mental, like you say, I have to run. This is like a soft sand. You know, it's hard to run on soft sand with like, 40 kilos on your back or 50 kilos on your back when you when you weight 70 kilos right so that's a lot of weight yeah so um that's one thing the second thing just to understand the mentality in the operation so there was a different time we went to again we got an intel of um i won't mention what area intel on um two terrorists that they gathered like doing a meeting Mm -hmm. uh, together and there was an access point for us to get there quietly and and maybe to get them uh you know the the protocol of uh, um i think it's called like uh, when you when you circle the house you literally take a speaker and you tell them hey listen we are around you we don't want yep, to kill yep, you yep, yep. come outside and and the game is you know the game is over like right. let's, just let's, come outside let's knock it off like right, now right. instead of like us killing you and yada, yada, yada and and so we did this we went there we did this um it was um again in one of those places that that you want don't want to go loud but it was like we we knew there are a lot of uh, innocent people in this it was like a small so building we're in we're in gaza was this 
in Gaza, uh, I would say just closer to the beach. Okay. And this was in a building? They were in a building? Was in a, in a yeah, in a but don't you, few so, floors. Building. So you're telling me now, but if you're going on the speaker, don't you worry it's going to blow your cover and somebody else? Yo, you know it will. It is. Yeah. It, yeah. And then and then now they are like, but listen, we knew there is going to be a few families in this building. We didn't want them to get killed. So it's kind of like a risk you you're have risking, to take. You're risking your life. See, that's what people don't understand. So people Correct. don't hear. You're risking your life so kids in the building don't 100%. Now, the craziest, story, the craziest part of this story is we literally told all the innocent people, like the, the grandfathers and the grandparents and their kids and their wives and everybody, mm-hmm. go outside. We, want, we don't want you to get hurt. Come outside and with the terrorists will handle. During this time, we learned there was a third person that actually bigger than both of them. So that there was more reward on the stake pretty much. So we had to, we had to get it done like right do they give you any kind of benefit? Do you get any kind of like money reward or anything? No, what are you I, I about? wouldn't think. That's so. my job. I know. I, no, like, I wouldn't think no, so. No, but no. I'm just curious. No, no. It's just. It's just better. It's. It's better purpose <laughs> for yourself when you when you learn that. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like you do it because it's like your life. I didn't go. I good. didn't go for money. There's no money. No, for no, no, yeah. By yeah. the way, most of the things I did well in my life were not for money. That's that's the best outcome that came for me personally. It's not for money, but this is a different subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is. So we gather all the families outside, and this is—it's pretty short story, but it's like mind-blowing. And my job as um, just part of the team and also self-defense a little bit, um, like we gather, we gather all the um, all the families outside. And my job was to make sure nobody hurts them, slash they don't do anything foolish. And there were like I'm talking about like um, maybe like 15 people outside that were uh, like old people old like grandparents their wives their kids like but i'm talking about like at least 15 people we're putting them on the corner just on the on the on the fence of the building to make sure they don't do anything Mm -hmm. like bad nor nobody hurts them and they don't get involved in that were the kids did the kids understand who you were they knew you guys were israelis they knew and by the way we always had like in our pockets some uh, lollipops yes we always gave them where'd you get them from they brought them before yeah before they told you to do that to like no we give it to ourselves just to get like a you know like a a sugar kick pretty much okay but then when you see the kids, like you're saying, like they are so innocent, like I don't, I didn't want them to suffer. And I know this lollipop will mean so much yeah. more for them. Than uh, here's another thing. Did you, do you think that I'm, I'm, I have, I'm a big question person. I, I yeah. like to ask questions, how I learned. Do you think that, that Hamas and the people there in general were able to tell that you were a special forces unit versus a regular unit? Obviously your gear is different. I don't know at the time you guys didn't have all the um, nice gear. I don't see they I don't think they think about it too much um they just know that like for them I'm like the bad guy in a way and uh and the way I'm operating my body and my my weapons and my team they know like I'm know what I'm doing pretty much like clearly even if you see someone play a sport you say oh man this guy knows what he's doing like this is so obvious this is right um but the point is, I was I was making sure nothing happens there with them. What happened is one of the guys, the third guy, went to the roof, took a grenade, and just threw it on top of me with all the family. So basically, the grenade literally landed be- between my legs, and next to me, fifteen of their family members, like fifteen at least, maybe oh, more. So they were willing to kill your their whole kill family. Kill the wipe the whole family just to get me. 
luckily, which you know, the grenade is more is the most is the most um, primitive um, mechanism of like weapon. Like I don't know when they invented the grenades, like 1920 or something. Like yeah, first I don't know when exactly. And, first and you know, it's you. like cell phones. The the more the newer it is, the more it's it's break. So like this is the mechanism is so simple that like you never had like like um, how it's called like Neffel, which is a uh, like when it's n- not explode, explode, mm-hmm. reach. So luckily, that was one of the one that. Did oh, it not didn't explode. explode. Yeah, that's why I'm here. Like clearly, it be- it landed between my my legs. Like any fine grenade will, I won't be here today. Like clearly, psh, wiped with all the family. Like gone. It wasn't your day, man. God wanted you around. Yeah. So I kicked the grenade, which was probably too late. But in any case, it didn't explode. So I'm. Uh, so that was like um, that intensive. Oh, you as soon as it dropped, you kicked it away. Yeah. But but because he tried from the from the from the roof, the three seconds already passed. It would have blown it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like I, I had nothing, no way to stop it. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it shows you first of all their mentality that they're willing to literally wipe their family off just to like, man, like are you fucking stupid? I was there to protect them, literally. You know, like if I were like at this point, I'm not even the bad guy in a way. You know what I mean? Like even if you don't like me, like I'm, but you probably had. I I I think there's no debate on who's a more moral oh, group. Man. There's no question. I, but I do, I'm sure there were Israeli soldiers that just were 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 pissed off. They were angry. I'm, I don't think the people they were going and killing kids. But you know, they were probably. Look, we all. I'm not trying to talk badly. I, I'm just saying, if I were, I can't blame them because there's such an animosity that, like, if I were in Gaza, I don't know what I would do. The most impact, impactful story yeah. I have for my military service um, mm-hmm. was actually from doing something good for a terrorist. That I'm telling you, I think until these days in the in jail, pretty much in Israel. The goal, and again, I'm going quickly on this story, but it was the middle of the winter, middle of the night. The goal was just to take him to justice in Israel. This uh, was in Gaza, though. This no, no, in Gaza, but I I, okay. I can share more okay, than that. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but basically, we managed to get to his bedroom, wake him up with all family, and that's done. Now, before we wrap it up and leave. Because it was so quiet, everything went perfect. Like normal, normally operation does not go like as you expect. That was everything was like clearly flawless, luckily. Um, so I remember while I was like, so I was I was holding him pretty much while this this process before we left his home. The the protocol says just look around to see if you see any intelligence in, like that you can gather or slash weapons. Just because you're already there, so just like invest two more three more minutes of of your time to just to see what you can find out mm. because it was important enough to send us so everything we'll find will be meaningful pretty much for for um for the shabak for you know for for the our secret services uh, and and our agencies basically um so during this time i remember that you know we woke him up with underwear Middle of the winter, super cold. I was cold with all what my kind of underwear. Did he have like the 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 white Just, the white tidy yeah, ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't have like cool boxers. <laughs> he had like the tight ones. Yeah. <laughs> Not so scary after that. So you know? it was it was literally shaking. It was yeah. shaking. I'm telling you, it was so freaking cold, like shaking. And oh, uh, you pulled him out of the house in his underwear. Yeah, but it was still in this house. Oh. So point is, I was with him in the in the hallway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was shaking from cold. And the family, we gathered all the family in one room, in their living room. Yeah, yeah. And they were like seeing us. They had like a, a, a line of like seeing us while I was there. And I'm telling you, man, you ne- there is, 
I have like goosebumps when I think about it. You can clearly see that. The, the look in their eyes when they look at me was we hate you to the bones. Like there is nothing more than we hate you in this world. Like this is the only thing we care about and we hate you so much. And I see his wife and few kids and this is like terrible. I, I didn't feel so comfortable to, this, to the, be in this position. Although this guy killed few innocent people. Like he, yeah. he was deserved to be in prison. Like no yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was deserved to get a bullet in his head. Nobody, no normal moral human being will disagree with it. I'm right, telling right, you, right. right? So, but again, that wasn't our job. Our job was to bring him to justice we did our job like professionals so who did he kill what was it he shot people no i can't i can't, can't say it. Okay. i can't say it. um but the point is so i saw he's shaking from cold and this guy deserved a bullet in his hand like this guy is like nasty of the nastiest i went to his family and i didn't know arabic but i know kamisa kamisa i think it's like a blanket or something like that and i asked kamisa literally like that like an idiot right you don't know how you just kind of like communicate with the body language pretty much and I remember his wife, she took the, like, the blanket and I saw the few, she took it and like make it like super tight on her, like on her body, right? And I'm like, Misa. And she like, didn't want to take, give well, it to me. Why not? She didn't understand what you wanted? No, she thought for me. Oh. So I literally took by force because they had few. So I, I like, obviously I didn't take without, right, you know, right, right. that right. was not my purpose. I took it from, me, from them and I was putting them, this on him. But not just putting him on him, he was sitting at this point. I was covering his shoulders, his feet, like like he will do to yours, like little yeah, kid. Yeah, you did it nicely, yeah. Nicely, man. And I was that was not my job. I just knew we have three more minutes, and this guy is like shaking from cold, and right. it was freaking cold. So yeah, this just, was inside the house. Inside the house. Oh, so there was no like ventilation. It was just like the walls were thin. No, no heat. Cold, cold. There was cold, no cold. heat. There was yes. no heat in the house. Yes, winter, cold. Like I'm telling you, I was cold. And I was the gear and adrenaline, everything. Wow, 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 yeah. So he was in the middle of the night. He was woke up. You know, I woke him up like two minutes ago, right? With the underwear, with the teddy bear. And <laughs> so I remember this moment after I putting the blanket on him. Man, I'm telling you, this is a feeling I can never be able to describe to anyone. But from the most evil hatred highs I ever saw in my life to what the fuck just happened like his kids and his wife so that we are not that bad as they always being preached and brainwashed like their whole life that mm -hmm. the israeli army is like nastiest and they're, they're evils and they're what this and that then they see me because like generally i was i was covering you know like under the feet like this is like to be like this yeah, is yeah. like above and behind i yeah, won't yeah, do this yeah, to yeah. my wife maybe even you know what <laughs> i mean like this, who does such a thing but i really w didn't want him to i said listen i that's done. Like everything went flawless. He's gonna go. He's gonna go face. He's gonna go to jail. Like for the rest of life. It's done, right? right? right. I mean, the operation. It's not over until it's over. But at this point, I knew we got this. He went there forever for the rest of his life. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I will never forget this feeling. How all their perspective, all their life, change immediately. To the story, when you have a big operation, normally you bring like. Um, the chief of staff or somebody you know from the Shabak to do a summarize the the operation right so I remember the guy from the Shabak from the Israeli FBI mm -hmm. came in the end of the like we almost almost like everything went smooth which is never happens but everybody thumbs up we did this that, that. he comes and say listen guys I don't know who is this guy that cover our object like with blanket, 
but this guy was so appreciative that we did it in front of his family that in the interrogation room, he literally told us everything we didn't even know. He was voluntarily tell us everything. The point is, which was like mind-blowing because I, I didn't do it because of that, but it was like, I think something so fundamentally changed in his, in his chemicals in the body, in his mind and his family that he said he knew he's going to be in jail for the rest of his life. But he was just so appreciative to the way we handled them. He also was brainwashed. Think about it. He was brainwashed all his life. That's what he did, what he did. Although he deserved to put it in his head, no question. But he voluntarily told everything that he said, like, we never faced a case like that. And that was like the best, like we will we'll recommend moving forward in different procedures to do it, to have, to build a protocol for that pretty much. So the point is, I think I changed his mind. I think I changed his family's mind. I think I did something that a good Samaritan, Samaritan. Samaritan will just do. I knew I did my job. I knew I'm a professional. There is, uh, uh, my goal is not to hurt anyone. And I think this is important for people that not, don't know the IDF, like in general, and they've been very much, that this is kind of like, I'm a normal human being that I want to make a living. I want to enjoy my kids. I want to mm. drink beer, although I don't drink alcohol, but I want to do my thing. I want to watch Netflix and eat pizza like every other person. But when I go to stop terrorists, I do this because that's my that's my purpose. And that's uh, uh, like, if I don't not, not going to do that, we're going to get killed pretty much in Israel. So, um, and you also told told the Shabak like pretty much everything he knew voluntarily, which is like priceless. They didn't even knew he knew those stuff, but you know, it's, that's amazing. This is like one of my, but uh, this is very intensive uh, story that imagine like 19 years old kid learn something like that in his life. Mm-hmm. This is you like were 19 at the time? 19, 20. Unbelievable. So, so now you ask me why I'm the youngest in the Jewish Federation. Man, what I can, like, I finished my military service. I knew like right you're there. 70. Yes, I do. How old were you when you were in Gaza? Anything between 19 to 22, pretty much. And I faced like multiple times, like life. Almost dying, yeah. Yes. Like me too. Years. I wasn't in Gaza, but I almost died a few times. So. Uh, it does that to you, man. Yeah, it, it, it makes you a lot older mentally. Right. And then you come out of it and people are complaining about the dumbest shit. Man. And you're just, and you, and you, you don't want to be judgmental because you, you understand that they didn't go through these experiences, but it, it's hard not to sometimes. So you know, so you know <laughs> what I'm focused my energy today when it pisses me off, which is like, man, I almost die as like 20 years old. You're, you're talking like 35 years old and you complain that your PlayStation doesn't work. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, but I go back to, to kind of like channel my energy with like saying to myself two things. First of all, my job is maybe to help this guy. If I can. Maybe it is, yeah. If he's willing to get my help and hear my advice, I will always try to help them. As the Sarkozy story kind of thing that like I want to help people if I can and I want to make them feel better with themselves mm-hmm, if mm-hmm, I can. Mm-hmm. But even if not, I'm telling myself, when I hear these people complain for such a foolish stuff, and they are so mediocre the way they approach stuff. I'm saying, man, I'm going to conquer whatever I want. This is going to be so easy. Those guys, I'm competing with them. That's what I look at. By the way, that's what I say. It's, it's like, it's no brainer. Like, it's done. Like, it's so easy for me even more. Like, I'm even more, even more motivated right now. You know, because I, I like, I knew before nothing will stop me for limbs. And now I'm saying like, man, like they don't even want to run. 
like I don't even need to chop my yeah, my for you know. It's too easy, yeah. It's too easy, right? So, again, this is kind of like how I channel my energy. Back then, I used to be like mad and people that thinking like that, but today I'm kind of like if I can help them, I will definitely want to help them just as a good human being. Exactly the f- same reason why I covered him with blanket. I think if you can be the good guy or the bad guy, most of us will choose to be the good ba- guy. Mm-hmm. Just again, why not if you can? Uh, then second of all, just realize that man, like this is not a competition for you. Just keep working hard, you will get there. For sure, I could talk to you for another three hours, yeah, I Lior, know, man. I I, know. But I, I have Sorry. to go to this meal to this dinner. <laughs> I'm sure you have your family to go to. This has been an amazing episode. I really, I really look forward to to building a friendship with you, brother. I'm, Likewise, I'm inspired by you. Um, Quite frankly, as they say in America, you're a certified badass. <laughs> so <laughs> it's an honor and a pleasure to know you guys. I hope you made it this far. And um, I would love to have you on again. Sometime in, in the near future, we'll kind of do like a like a, a second part to All it. Right. All right. Uh, Focus I, maybe I, on other, other aspects. but in other On other aspects, because again, like... Um, I have like so many life lessons here. You know, I didn't touch like... Uh, oh, dude. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, well, we could... I okay. think, yeah, it was interesting enough. Okay. Well, did, I hope you felt like you, we got a lot, a lot out of it. There's just so much to talk about. I mean... Yeah, I agree with you. But the, here's the other thing. Like, I would be happy to do a second one very soon so we can touch up a lot more. Even okay. if you want to do... Um, Even if people want to hear like different questions from, you know, other things like, you know... Uh, they have questions we can address that so i'll tell you what we can do a part two and just have like before the episode comes out i'm going to mention we're doing a part two and this way you can go into a lot more of what you wanted to put on what you have on paper right and then they can just ask their questions and and i think the rest of the stuff are more related to be successful in your like um workspace and uh and the mindset of like succeeding in life and not just kind of like you know, we focus mainly on discipline and all bit, you know, experiences that build me and I try to give people tools that kind of like help me and maybe they can implement themselves, which mm-hmm. I'm sure some people will take many of those things. I, I hope so, right? Um, but there are a lot of things that like for entrepreneurs and like the, the fa- we all face, listen, in our life we face so many no's, right? And challenges, that's how life works ups and downs challenges mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you hear more no to than yes yeses um so again like if if we want to do the part two i would love to and and, and focus more on like a different aspect honestly of the if you want to do the part two this week and it'll come out it'll come out the next week meaning i would do um mostly Let, let's give it uh, like a couple of weeks i would love even to hear it myself this po- this sure. uh, this episode sure. to Kind of like, oh, I forgot. Yeah, I wanted to say this maybe. and Yeah, right. For sure. Okay, awesome. Guys, I hope you had an awesome, awesome time listening to this. And I hope you gained a lot of value, enjoyed the stories, enjoyed the the mindset, talking about discipline. I know I did. So, Lior, thank you so much for coming. Make sure to subscribe, guys. I know a lot of you are watching and not subscribing. Subscribe, like, leave your comments, good or bad. We welcome them all. And I look forward to having you to having you a part of the next episode. Thanks.